2: Welcome to SOT Talk Radio. Today is the twentieth edition of our show. I'm your host, Neil Bradley, and joining me today are Scott Owen. Scott is the webmaster for SOTNET. Hi folks. We've also got with us tonight Jason Martin. Word. (laughs) And a special guest, Michael Franzel. Michael is an editor of SOTNET and is also also an IT consultant. Hello. So today's show, NASA prism for your mind, or NASA, well, NSA. it's not NASA, it's the NSA prism for your mind, neither privacy nor security. So as you probably heard by now, about 10 days ago, news broke was a big leak, big scandal, and it's been developing, gathering up steam over the last 10 days, and we just want to go back and just trace out where this started, and then get into some discussion on it. I'm sure a lot of you will have your thoughts as well, so you want to call in, send us a comment, let us know your thoughts on on uh, this NSA privacy scandal. So on June 6th, last Thursday last, The Guardian reports that the uh, the NSA is collecting the phone records of millions of Verizon customers daily. Verizon is a, a large comms, telecoms Verizon.
0: company in the U.S. Probably Verizon.
2: Verizon, yeah. Verizon, okay. I think I've heard they have. It's one of the like, most
0: popular American telecoms.
2: I think they it's came, half. Yeah, they,
3: they, out have, out they have something like 150 million U.S. customers or something. And considering the population of the U.S., that's, that's quite a number of customers. So It's practically
2: half. Half population. Yeah, wow. they
0: came. They came out of nowhere when I was a, when I was a teenager. You know, I had never heard of them before, and suddenly they were everywhere. So it was kind of a little bit suspicious thing about the company starting, and it was yeah. just like a, a mob bell killer kind of thing. You know.
2: Um. So Verizon. Uh, the story in the Guardian is that a top secret court order had been issued in April. A copy of a copy of which was obtained by the Guardian newspaper in London. That quote, requires Verizon on an ongoing daily basis to give the NSA information on all telephone calls in its systems, both within the U.S. and between the U.S. and other countries. The article goes on, the information is classed as metadata or transactional information rather than communications and so does not require individual warrants to access A 2005 court ruling judged that cell site location data, cell as in your cell phone, i.e. the nearest cell tower a phone was connected to, was also transactional data and so could potentially fall under the scope of the order. The request for the bulk collection of all Verizon domestic phone records indicates that the agency is continuing some version of the data mining program begun by the Bush administration in the immediate aftermath of the 9-11 attack. The NSA, as part of a program secretly authorized by Bush on the 4th of October 2001, implemented a bulk collection program of domestic telephone, internet, and email records. It didn't end there. After this announcement, well, I say after, it was the same day. Both of these stories came out on the same day. The Guardian also followed up with an article by Glenn Greenwald, who is a former columnist for Salon.com in the U.S., and he's now across the Atlantic, so to speak, and working for the Guardian. Anyway, this is the one that was supposedly uh, the that dropped the bomb, so to speak, that there is a program called PRISM. I think that's an acronym for something. I'm not sure.
0: What, what is the acronym?
2: PRISM. It stands for
0: do you remember i don't i don't believe so I think it's
2: probably has to do with the fact that
0: most telecommunications go over fiber optics and prism split light and you know there there was a technology where they were splitting the fiber optic cables using a prism mm-hmm. to copy the telecommunications data across the lines. I think they just put it in capitals because it looks more impressive
3: yeah and that actually that whole story about uh the um um it was in the uh Oh well. I can't seem to find it. From memory, uh there was a back in uh sometime in the 90s I think it was, uh there was a uh there were a couple of re- Israeli companies um uh, I think they were Nar- Naris and Variant.
4: Yeah, or something mm-hmm. and
3: and Citadel. Supp- the supposedly they <clears throat> supposedly the the NSA basically went to these companies and they set up a secret room in uh i think it was AT&T and perhaps some other companies uh where they used uh and this was all made to sound like it was very futuristic and high tech you know they used a, an optical splitter uh to route the the incoming huge data pipe if you will uh into a top secret room that the uh these companies would 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 then use the the one of the split signals uh to Basically, acquire all the traffic and funnel it all to the NSA. And this is actually kind of funny because um, I used to work in the telecom industry, and actually I worked on optical transport switches, which are basically the giant racks of equipment that form the backbone of the Internet. And as uh, of course, I, I, you know, when you design one of these things, you have this this thing called a um, well, it's a requirement specification, but basically it describes exactly what the system is, what it does, what standards it follows, and that sort of thing. And one of the requirements is that uh all these systems have back doors supposedly for you know, people like the FBI to come along and uh, you know, get a warrant and then they they just sort of it's not even it's not even like it's just like a back door that like you can access and it's required by law mandate.
0: it is uh, it's,
3: it's it's not you don't need to split I mean, first of all the splitter like oh we used a prism that's meant to sound like you know oh it's so fancy well like that's what you do i mean that's what's Isaac I, newton used yeah like i mean where i used to work you're like oh yeah do you need a splitter yeah here you go here's one
2: but prism sounds more esoteric <laughs> it's like
0: <laughs> it does but like you know a hundred a couple hundred years ago isaac newton did the same kind of thing when he was studying like optics you know so i mean there's this not new technology this
3: yeah, so, so that whole thing. I think the most interesting thing about that story was the fact that it was Israeli companies. Yeah. Because, of course, the first question that comes to my mind is why would the NSA, of all people, or any U.S. intelligence organization even need foreign to go nationals to, to, a, to foreign companies, which are most obviously associated with foreign intelligence agencies, to do something which technologically is extremely simple and it, it, it's almost so simple it's dumb. When yeah. they didn't even really need to do that because there are back doors already there that give you access to all the traffic. Right. So, yeah, that that's this, uh. Well,
2: this, this is a why I'm really glad I've got these three guys on the show with me today because I'm not a techie, but these three are techies and they know the stuff. No, well, not. One thing I just, wanted
0: to add, though, is that it, Bill Clinton, I don't know how old the law is, but Bill Clinton signed into effect during his term a new law. It, it mandates all telecommunications companies, all those service providers to install – it's kind of ambiguous – to install a method for, for legal law enforcement operatives like the FBI and the CIA and all those people to tap their telecommunications network. They're required, and, and sometimes they create like a room where they can go into and basically plug into the system and record everything, and they're, they're legally mandated to provide that access to law enforcement to ease the,
4: the intercepting of data. I got an article from the Washington Post of the 6th of June, uh, quoting Google and Yahoo, where they say that they do not have backdoors that allow the government to inspect the data. And Yahoo actually said the same. We do not provide the government with direct access to our servers, systems, or network. Maybe yeah. that's false, but... Well, d-
0: they're, not, they're, not, they're not a telecommunications company.
2: They are, like, they are basically a website.
0: They have a giant rack of web servers.
2: I just want to back up a second. Before we go there. Yeah. Sorry, I we're mean, just rushing headlong no, no, into just, the technical details. Just, 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 just so that's good, but just so that our listeners are on the same page, the follow-up story on the PRISM scandal, so to right. speak, was that uh, the NSA, here is the title of the actual Guardian article, NSA taps into Internet giant systems to mine user data as secret files reveal. So this was the, the next of, the, of these secret files that were released to the public, and it was a 41-page PowerPoint presentation classified as top secret with no distribution to foreign allies. It designed by a trained monkey. <laughs>
0: I mean, that thing was so ugly.
2: Uh, yeah, so this, this document was made available by The Guardian, and among the things, as uh, Michael there has touched on, it basically said that the NSA has direct access to the systems of Google, Facebook, Apple, YouTube, Twitter—I can't remember—all yeah. uh, all the big names. Some, yeah. We all use one or other of these yeah. internet giants. And well, that was that was the first thing that struck me right away. These companies came out and said, eh, "No, we don't." Each one, every one of them, issued a statement and said it it, they either said they either said we have no knowledge of it.
0: At first, they said that, and now they're like more. Or,
2: or if if this is really happening, or yeah, they they first said we're not involved in this. Or if it is happening, it's happening without our awareness. Can I say a few things on
0: this thing? Shoot. Okay. So first of all, like the the company would not have to provide access to the servers because all the servers are, are distributed across the world, and the central office has to be able to connect to them to maintain them, probably through SSH or something like that. And also so if Google can connect from from one from one building in one country to another building in another country, then the NSA can too via like just a normal like SSH connection to the server. That's total. So they could be hacking that. But the reason I think that is unrealistic is that I I watched a a tech talk from one of the the, the database uh, database admins from Facebook uh, talking about the situation and their their servers are very consistently kind of on the edge. And uh, the NSA coming in and running like a long running query on one of the servers would basically like make them all fall over. <laughs> so it's not really a realistic thing. I mean, the NSA going in and rooting around on one of the servers, they would see like a significant performance decrease. The server would probably fall over, and Facebook would be like, "What the hell is going on here?" I mean, it, uh, it it's not mm-hmm. so simple. I mean, it's not like a river. Like with telecommunications, it's like a river where you can just dip in and get the information, right? But with a server type of situation or a database. You can't just stop the world and inspect stuff and then unstop the world. Like everyone's going to notice in a certain sense.
4: Um. I've got a a second explanation because I printed out the actual court order from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And here it says that it is further ordered that no person shall disclose to any other person that the FBI or NSA has sought or obtained tangible things under this order. That means they're ordered to right. remain silent about yeah. this whole issue, and maybe that's the explanation why they're ah, all denying it. That would explain
2: why they all were in unison and no comment.
4: And they're perhaps. giving the information to the government. The government's probably
0: not just jumping onto the server in private and hacking it. I mean, they could,
3: but I don't think they are.
2: We have a caller, I believe.
3: We do indeed. <clears throat> Hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Audi.
0: Hi caller you're on the air with Larry King. Hello. No, they don't they
2: No, I think
3: they haven't got through. Or
0: something. Uh, they, they walked away.
3: No, I think they may have stepped away.
0: But it's nice that we're getting callers. People should call in and, ah, and, and no. voice their
3: Now, opinions, and opinions. It is actually if if uh if anyone would like to call in, uh again the number is uh US number 718-508-9499 outside the US that would be 001 718 508
2: 9499 excellent so well we heard in in the in the Verizon case where they were there was a specific court order is that what you've just read from
4: yes uh, it's from April of
2: this year yeah i i recognize that document so what what happened was for this to happen the US government can ask the FISA, yep. Foreign Intelligence foreign intelligence intelligence Surveillance Act, Act court, the court. A court that was set up, not recently, it was set up in, in 1978, yeah, so it's been around a while. Asking, requesting that a company hand over either all data or this amount of data within certain parameters and within a certain time frame. Now, I thought it was interesting that Verizon got this order on April 25th. Then this uh, court order, which is supposed to be secret, we're not supposed to have heard about it, is, is obtained by The Guardian and released June 6th. The next day, there's another document, the Prism PowerPoint for eyes only is released. And then I think the, the next day after that, things snowball, and then this guy, Edward Snowden, just pops, pops up. up out of the blue. In Hong Kong, and says I did it.
3: Yeah. No, 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 no. He pops up in Hong Kong, and he says, "Yeah, uh, I'm in Hong Kong. I'm just down the street from a CIA field office." And I mean, he, you know, he might as well have have like sent his exact geographic coordinates or something. And you know, here's my latitude and longitude. And and then he says, "Yeah, I think maybe I'm going to consider requesting asylum in Iceland." <laughs> Why didn't he go so, there? Yeah, why didn't he just go to Iceland? I mean, the whole thing just stunk to high heaven.
0: Maybe it's because he's maintaining an illusion for people. He's he's an actor. He's a he's a spokesmodel. He's a kind of an Emmanuel
2: Goldstein character to come out. And, well, we've certainly thought about it. We don't know. We we could we could assume he's you know the real deal. He sincerely wanted to share the world this this dastardly information this
0: he looks the part the
2: dastardly deeds that are done by the powers that be but as i've been reading around this i, I realized that you know he's not saying anything new no everybody knows well in a way everybody's paying attention mm. Who knows this goes on all the time right. okay the general public might be up in arms to some extent I look back through the SOT database for the last eight, nine years, and yeah, pretty much exactly the same thing has been said by other whistleblowers and by other commentators who, you know, it, all they were doing was quoting the Department of Defense documents right. saying exactly the same thing. This is what right.
0: we do. In the 1980s, there was this book called The, the Puzzle Palace.
2: And by was it Bamford or Bramford? James Bamford, yeah. In
0: Bamford in nineteen. I, I saw the published date. It was like it was nineteen eighty three. You know where he was talking right. about that they were doing, they were they were actually doing this type of stuff. What they're doing now, they the NSA. Yeah. Well, the precursor to the NSA. I mean, uh-huh. they just had changed names constantly during that time. they were, you know, listening into telegraph traffic. You know, just siphoning off the telegraph stuff too. Um, and so it's just been going on for a very long time. And I think everyone kind of knows it. And or has known about it. It's nothing new. There's, there's, nothing, there's no new information
2: here. There's no, there's no new information. So why then is this such a big scandal? Well,
0: I think in the beginning uh, – can I – do you have something to say? Oh, okay. So I think that my, my opinion on why there's such a scandal or why it's kind of like newish to people – is be, there, there's an article by David Simon where he talks about like, do you imagine the manpower it would take and all this stuff? Uh, previously, people kind of saw it as, well, they don't have enough people to go through all the mail, so I'm safe and I'm anonymous in the masses. But people have a, an inherent fear of technology because they see it performing things so quickly and working so fast and they see so much data and their gigabyte hard drives and their processors and all this stuff. And now they're they're afraid that the the government could actually do on a large scale what everyone knows that they've been trying to do for like since the east india trading company type of thing you know reading everyone's mail you know getting into everyone's lives i think now suddenly it's a little bit more viscerally close to them because they realize that they might just have the processing power to actually do it on a large enough scale to make it you know actually get into a lot of people's
2: lives well that's something i wanted to talk to you guys about <coughs> processing power the 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 scale of the information that they're supposedly able to track, store, analyze, d- draw draw connections from, draw conclusions from. Um what, what are we talking about here?
3: Well what <clears throat>
2: well, is it possible? Well,
3: anything's possible.
2: But
3: <laughs> <clears throat> the uh one of the articles on uh The Guardian, they were talking about this, uh, these boundless informant documents about uh, regarding the NSA's uh, data mining tools. And uh, this this was a document that was supposedly released from the NSA or that somehow the Guardian obtained and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Um, But the document says that the NSA captured 97 billion pieces of intelligence in 30 days ending in March 2013. Uh, only three billion for the USA itself, supposedly. So of course these numbers could be complete garbage, but let's just assume that they're not.
0: Ninety billion pieces of
3: what kind of intelligence? You know? Right. So, so the first question is ninety-seven. This, this was worldwide in this thirty-day period. Okay. Ninety-seven billion pieces of intelligence. Now of course you don't know how big the data is. If you assume that, you know, it could be an email would be very very small, a few kilobytes. Uh, a video could be very, very large, but then maybe they're only interested in a particular part of the video, or maybe the, the the data they're collecting is more like you know this so-called metadata, which is essentially you know Jane belongs to the Forest Hill Elementary School PTA group, and that consists of you know because whatever that's a and I, in that case also belongs to this group, which is
4: in that case 19 billion records is not very impressive,
3: right? now. And if they are big, if they are, say, an average of whatever, uh, let's say they're like 100 kilobytes per day, assume they're large. Uh, well, that's not large, but then that would work out to about um, 323 terabytes of data per day that they were capturing. So if you have a one terabyte hard drive in your computer, you have a modern computer, uh, they were collecting 323 one terabyte hard drives worth in a day. But then if you look at the actual internet protocol traffic, i.e. people surfing the internet, people using uh, VOIP, like phone calls via the internet, uh, smartphone data usage, it's still got an IP address, it's using the internet, you know. Um, We don't have statistics, uh, at least that I could find for, for recent years, but we know that in 2011 the internet traffic average per day was uh about 916 petabytes per day
2: what's a petabyte uh
3: a petabyte is 1024 terabytes so a terabyte is 1024 gigabytes there's a pattern there so if you have a if you have a computer with 4 gigabytes of ram well you know one thousand and twenty-four of those gigabytes is is a, a terabyte, and one thousand and twenty-four terabytes is a petabyte. You don't really have to follow all that. Just
2: we're talking bear, about bear a bear lot here.
3: I, I, uh, it's, it's the 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 point. The take-home point is that uh, the NSA was capturing. If we assume that that internet traffic. As I said, these these very large numbers are for 2011. So if you look at the past increase year over year of Internet traffic, uh, you extrapolate and you say, well, it increases about maybe 20, 25 percent a year. So you'd say, well, from 2011 to 2013, you do some math and you come up with an even bigger number. And then you divide the number of terabytes per day that the NSA was supposedly capturing for this 30 day period ending in March of this year. And you get the number uh, that the NSA was capturing 0.02% of all IP-based traffic. Not not 2%, not 0.2%, but 0.02% of all the traffic.
2: And that's a reasonable amount. That's a reasonable amount to be able to cipher. And yet the impression that's coming through the airwaves, yeah. through cyberspace, is that they're After all of it, they want it all.
0: Let me give you an example. I did find one number. I don't know if it's true, but the entire telecommunications traffic per year in the world, and that's like including satellite stuff and everything and all telephone communications and not just purely internet, but all telecommunication traffic, is estimated to be 1.9 zettabytes.
3: What's a zetabyte?
0: It's 1,024 exabytes, which is 1,024 petabytes.
3: <laughs> which is 1,024 gigabytes, which is 1,000 – never mind.
0: <laughs> so
3: uh, it's really huge. It's a lot of data.
0: And uh, this Binney guy, which is – the one reason why I don't trust
2: the Binny guy is he came out and he said that the NSA – uh, That's the whistleblower William Binney.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's supposed to be the person who architected the whole thing, and he basically said that – the NSA was building a facility that had five zettabytes worth of storage, five. Five mm-hmm. zettabytes. That's, that's really in huge because all of the, the hard drives sold and like uh, currently sold the last year was uh, 330 exabytes.
2: So it was one degree down.
0: Yeah, right. um, what, what, what? one degree down from a zettabyte, so mm-hmm. not even a whole zettabyte. So so five zettabytes, right? Just to give you an idea of the scale. They're building this facility in Utah, five zettabytes, and Benny says they're going to be able to store all of the internet traffic for the next 100 years at this facility and I said hold on a second no <laughs> that's not going to really happen because even if they had stored all of the telecommunications it would be eaten up in like 2 years
2: because of the exponential growth
0: uh, yeah and of course of, of next year next year the estimate for telecommunications data is 2.7 exabytes for the year. That's the estimate. These are estimates because you got to understand mm, nobody knows. You got to understand that you can't really have telecommunications traffic and then be counting everything. That that takes processor power. That takes time to count every packet. They don't count them. They estimate them because you can't count them all over the world every connection. You know, nobody has this universal counter where it's like scrolling up 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 up. Nobody really knows how much because they're basically barely able to maintain the traffic as it is and the exponential growth. I mean, all of these servers. Twitter, uh, Twitter had all this trouble dealing with its client base. Its servers falling over all the time because it was just so many people using the system. They weren't even able to predict how much, you know, traffic and space and servers they were going to need. I mean, the the internet system is just barely holding itself together. You know. Yeah, so, and then
4: sorry, go ahead. Those numbers are very impressive. When I'm you talk about. Petabytes and exabytes and so on. So for non-techies it's like a foreign language, but we have to I think ask three questions. First of all, are they actually storing the data? If yes, then we have to ask how long are they able to store the data? Because you certainly cannot store that amount of data for 10 years or or longer. So is it rolling? That means it it, they delete all the records. So maybe they're not able to store it at all. So the second question is are they analyzing it? Because just storing Data doesn't help, isn't, is of, isn't of use for anything, so do they analyze it? And if they analyze it, there's the question, what are they looking for and how do they analyze it? Do they have like employees sitting there inspecting emails at random or do they have a computer software that runs automatic tests? And the third question is, once they have analyzed it, are they acting upon it? So they find something, what are they doing with the information? Because just analyzing it may, might be interesting, but if you don't have a plan with it, then it's useless. You know. So yeah. I think there are three questions we have to ask.
0: I think the first question is is is, is good uh, is a good place to start. Are they storing it? Um, and I did a calculation. I don't know if it's true because I'm not really good at math. But I basically like said, okay, the the smallest commercially available terabyte hard drive is um, is two point five inches by one inch by three inches
2: the size of it, right? laptop drive.
0: Yeah, like basically a laptop, one-terabyte hard drive that I could find. There might be a little bit bigger, but let's just go with that. And then I said, okay, well, how many of those would require storing the Internet for one month? And I did the calculation. I don't remember the exact number. I wrote it down, unfortunately, but I didn't bring it in here. But it came up to being that if you took 146 football stadiums and stacked them 20 feet high with 2.5-inch, uh, one-terabyte drives... That would be able to store the internet traffic for a month. I don't know if that's one hundred percent correct, right? But you know how many football stadiums is one hundred and forty-six. One hundred and forty-six. If you stack them next to each other with no space in between, which you can't do with a hard drive, <laughs> because obviously you have to have space, you have to have cooling systems, so you couldn't even do that. And then I said, even if the NSA could store like one, 1% one percent of that, they require 1% of the storage, right? So instead of having 146 football fields, they only needed one. That still would be, they'd have to expand their data centers by like one football field you know, type of thing if they wanted to store all of it. But as I learned, that's not what they're claiming. They're not claiming, like even the Guardian, they're not saying that they're storing all of it. It's definitely not what they're doing. They're storing the data.
3: Even, even if they could store it, <laughs> uh, the, how, how would they process it? I mean, how yeah. would you process that much data? Because sure, you know, maybe they have some newfangled, you know, storage systems and all that. Okay, well, how new could you, they be? How, how do you I mean, you know, you go on the internet, and you do a Google search and it, it you know, Google is not storing like everything on the whole internet or something. It you know, they're they're when you when you have a, a the search function on SOT, you know, you you have a finite amount of data and you have a finite amount of processing power and you you know, you have to do certain tricks to make it faster and so of course they could be doing tricks, but when you get into such a large amount of data uh, I, I don't I don't know what kind of computer they would be using to to crunch all that and do anything with it if they're doing it the way that people normally assume. But, so that means but, either.
2: But Scott, haven't you heard of supercomputers? <laughs>
3: supercomputers.
2: They're super. Yeah, apparently I don't know what these are, but apparently these things can do super things. Well, what strikes me about this this data center in Utah is that. It's old news. Okay, it was yeah. it was brought wheeled out here again in tandem with the, these right. releases of data. But I went back and I have heard about this before. And yeah, there were plans. It's actually nearly com- nearly complete apparently right. to build this giant data center in the desert. In the desert, brilliant idea because <laughs> as Jay just mentioned love heat <laughs> for all that processing power. You need cooling system. Yeah, which they have a three million gallon.
0: 3 million gallon cooling water cooling system and reservoir in the desert they they paid money to pipe water to the desert they couldn't have put this next to a cool you know river or something to use <laughs> in the natural environment that's you know? genius i mean these guys are they're just wasting money i mean this is just bullshit waste of money is all it is
2: now the fisa court order that michael read out and in statements given by the obama administration since this scandal broke They've tried to, oh, put a damper on this by saying, well, we're not obviously after the content of emails, phone calls, so. et cetera, et cetera. We're looking at the metadata. So don't worry, people. So okay, What is metadata? Right. Uh, from a computer perspective, do you, do you guys want to do this? From a
0: computer perspective, metadata is what describes the structure of data. Right? So the Internet works by sending little tiny envelopes of information. Right. Mm-hmm. The metadata about that envelope is that it has a header at offset X, a body at offset Y, a two field. Of, of the, that's the metadata. Metadata describes how data is laid out, the structure of it. What they are reading is the to and from fields. That is considered the content of the message. That is not metadata. That's content that's you know it's necessary for the internet to work all internet service providers read the contents of your message more or less in order to transmit it by virtue of the technology you know that's why sometimes i think a lot of these privacy people don't really understand what the internet is but when they say that they're using metadata they're using a term that they don't understand they're trying to dismiss people's concerns oh it's just metadata and no no such thing all right that's not what they're reading they're reading the data i mean we have to be honest about what they're reading they are reading the contents of the message at least part of it not the whole thing they might not be reading the body of the message but they are reading the two and front fields and that is considered
4: content in a certain sense that is the, the body of the message when you browse the website metadata can also be the link itself the URL um... Mm-hmm. there is a an argumentation which actually asks is that part of the content or is it actually metadata the link yeah i think belongs to the message body and not actually to something like metadata but in this court order from uh, Verizon, 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 which is actually a telephone company, it actually lists the things that they have to store and hand over to the NSA. You should read it. Telephony metadata includes comprehensive communications routing information including but not limited to session identifying information that means originating and terminating telephone number, an international mobile subscriber identity number, an international mobile station equipment identity number, trunk identifier, telephone calling card numbers, time and duration of call. Mm -hmm. So they're storing more or less the the IDs of the telephones, they're storing the the call numbers, originating and terminating number. So that is what they consider as, as metadata.
0: Okay, but that is data. By the definition of the word metadata, is like above data, whereas well, right. that is data.
2: I saw an interview given by a Susan Landau. I can't remember who or what she was from, but she she pointed out that metadata is just as useful, if not more useful, to a to prying eyes, let's say,
0: mm.
2: than the actual Absolutely. content would ever be. And what she was saying made sense to me because I thought, well. Does the government really want to know what you're, you know, what you're doing or your opinion of what you're doing? They would much rather see who you're connected with, Mm -hmm. who you're talking to and get an overview of the the links between people.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Maybe maybe one of you want to expand on that because it seems it made a lot of sense to me that the metadata is actually the gold and the rest is just dirt.
4: Yeah. I think it could be it's just my theory that they're aiming in constructing like a social network graph, similar to what you can see on Facebook, you know, all your friends and who you're connected to, like a, a star diagram, who is connected to whom. And they're using not just Facebook or Skype or telephone numbers or internet sites, they use actually everything to construct this very complex graph so that they can see who is connected to who and who is interested in which ideas. And for that, it's not necessary to have actually the message body. You only have to know um, who is connected to who. So when I have a a Skype profile, and I have entered my telephone number there, and then they get to the uh, telephone company and get all the metadata, then they can link these telephone numbers to the information in Skype, and they can, so to speak, expand and construct this social network graph so for them it's not even necessary if uh, if they get the actually the, the message bodies it doesn't matter if it's anonymous or not even the anonymous data help to uh, complete uh, the graph that they could com- try to compile you know? think,
0: think about this Google requires you to give your telephone number to verify your account exactly that ties your telephone number to every search you make when you are logged into Google which is tied to your IP address, which is updated because it's trivially easy to update the IP address. So they keep a track of the history of every time you've connected from what IP address is, and they know all this stuff. So when you collect that metadata here and you collect some data over here, um, at first the, each side looks completely innocuous until you mix it together and suddenly – I mean just imagine if McCarthy had had access to the system. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party or a homosexual? Imagine if McCarthy had said, "Okay, well, give me a query on every person who's ever searched gay <laughs> porn," and then suddenly, all and remember, those people were really tortured. They were outed. They were they had their careers ruined. They had their lives utterly and completely ruined for even being tenuously connected to communism mm-hmm. or homosexuality. And so, you know, what will happen when one of these senators, who oh God sends me down here, decides that you know homosexuality is a sin and they're going to use the NSA's uh, powers or whatever intelligence community powers to say, uh, request from Google um, every IP address, the metadata, eh? every I- IP address um, and telephone number, which is just metadata. Oh, it's, it's okay. Every IP that searched for gay porn, boom. Give me from Verizon, oh, you know, I mean, and, mm-hmm. and then they start connecting it together, and then suddenly they have a complete profile of you and everything you've ever searched for, and everything you've looked for, and every book you've bought, and all this different stuff. I re- it's
2: very I, quickly. I reckon like, it. A senator today, uh, let's say a a McCarthyite type does get his hands on this kind of data. But what holds him back is the fact that all the dirty data on him is also available. That's true. They're caught caught uh, in the web of their own doing, kind of. Um, I I, I, want to talk about the...
4: Can I add something that Jason just said? Sure. Because I have one one piece of data that actually is very interesting. Again, from this uh, court order against uh, uh, Verizon, it expires actually in the 19th of July, 2013, which is just three months. So you could ask why just have an order that just lasts for three months when you want to be able to store data like permanently. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, uh, confirms this, this little theory that we have here that they only need to download the data once to actually enhance their social graph and relationship graph. And once that is done, they're done and you don't need any more data except maybe in the future. But I think an an interesting detail, just three months.
2: So they kind of want, what they want is a snapshot of an overview of relationships between people.
4: I believe so. Well, it
2: it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, we discussed this earlier, the sheer number of resources required at at the the second question that, that Michael raised the the analyzing of the data right i mean you, you pointed out that the, the man hours required to intelligently you know sift through data mm-hmm. on any one person is so vast that it's a weight, it's it's useless to them in yeah. the meantime the world has moved on right and they're behind
0: here's another piece of information that people um they have this fantasy about technology where they technology like computers are really good at solving very specific types of problems okay. ones that require Performing the same action over and over again, adding 500 million numbers together, things like that. They're very fast with that. One thing that they are absolutely horrible about, despite all of the fantasies of computer scientists since the 1970s, is something like natural language processing. I mean, Google Translate is so good because it provided the option for users to correct translations, and it recorded the corrected translations. And and the translation websites that are supposedly like have this huge R&D department and millions and billions of dollars to throw at this problem, they have decided to basically implement a mechanical Turk, getting users to correct the translations and each time to change the system because computers cannot process language very well. All right? Mm -hmm. So if you have billions of records that you've taken from people, getting a computer program to intelligently give semantic meaning to them, give some sort of meaning to them, is Bob talking about Uh, blowing, is Bob talking about bombs or is he saying like that, you know, barbecue we had the other day was the bomb. Does the computer have a real easy way to understand that? What if he uses like internet language where everything's like encoded with this, you know, it's spelled the way it sounds type of thing. Computers are not good at that. Um, And it doesn't matter how much processing power you throw at it. Just the very nature of the technology is just never going to be good at that.
2: It's always going to be limited to the algorithms that are programmed into it.
0: Right. What what the computer could do is it could index every single message that referred to the word bomb or every single message that referred to the word pork, and they could search it, but then it would return maybe like five billion, you know, results. And then what are you going to do? How do you trim that down? And what kind of algorithms? And, and Google works very intently on this problem naturally, you know, because they're a search engine, but they haven't really got it right
2: in a certain sense. So I'm sure the NSA hasn't either. <laughs> Obama's kind of put, well, he certainly appears to be on the back foot about this. And something he said in, in defense of the NSA is that, well, come on, people. There were, there were always going to be trade-offs. You can't have 100% security and 100% privacy and zero inconvenience. And what's implied in this is that there can be privacy on the Internet in particular. But we, we were talking the other day, Jason, and, and you said quite emphatically that there, the Internet is such that a- anonymity is impossible, truly. If someone wanted to find you, they could. Yeah, absolutely. And even, even before that, by its very nature, it's open. Yeah. C- can you expand a bit on that, about, about how messages are, how these packets of information okay. are sent from 1A to b um, so a thing
0: that if any of you guys have some input to put on here, just, just jump in, you have to understand a couple of things about computers. First of all, computers are not free. All right? Everything takes uh, two major things in computers, uh, time and energy. Right? You have to plug electricity into it, and for anything the computer does, it takes time. And this time is man- measured in nanoseconds, really, really small, less than microseconds, less than milliseconds, a very small amounts of time. But it has to do, for everything that it does, it has to do those things billions of times. So that starts to add up until you get to milliseconds and seconds. So it takes time to do everything for a computer. And do it very fast mm-hmm. on your computer, but it takes time. And it also takes energy. So to send information back and forth, the computer has to split up things into very small increments and send them to another computer. And it sends more than it should, right? Because... Packets can get lost. Things can happen. And then the other computer has to reassemble all those things, look at the information, say, where does this go, what does it do, and then send it back out along a gigantic chain. In order – for every step that you have in that process, it takes time, right? So if you have to send one packet, but before you do it, you have to encrypt it, that makes it slower because it has to do that millions and millions and millions and millions and and billions of times. So that when you're sending information of the internet, it's it's easier and it's more it's it's more robust for you not to bother to encrypt it. So all information traffic on the internet, unless expressly in a couple of situations, is plain text. It's open, plain text. That means that it can be read. Yeah, it can be read by anybody who can install a free software program, you know, called Etherape um, for Linux. And there's I, I wrote a packet sniffer for my own network in C sharp once. To, to see what was going on, and all that all that stuff between computers is open, all of your FTP passwords, all your email passwords, that all goes out over the internet, unless you're using SSL, which you can now do, in some instances. But even then, that's a very thin layer of security, which the NSA most certainly can crack. I mean, it's not an uncrackable uh, protocol. It's just more difficult to crack than most encryption methods for, for that. So, When you think about the Internet, it is all open. It's all readable. Any system administrator sitting at your ISP has a computer. At any point, he can open up a program, and he can look at anybody's account and view their traffic and reassemble those packets and do whatever he wants through the entire Internet. And we're not even talking about the NSA. We can Mm -hmm. do it in our own house, right, Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the Internet. It's, It's all open. It's too much work. To doubly, triply encrypt each and every packet and send it there, and exchange the keys and all this different stuff. That's so much work.
2: And and so, so at so some point, traffic. encrypted data needs to be de-encrypted <laughs> to be read by, be read which is something else flaw. that needs to pass it on. Then that's its ultimate flaw. flaw. But this is this is kind of
3: <clears throat> this is kind of the crux of the matter because you know all the stuff we're talking about, and especially the fact that you know the internet is basically uh, you know it's it's basically wide open. Um, this is this is kind of. You know, to me, the crux of the matter is that you know, the internet has always been this way. You know, right now, you know, people are talking about all these things and they're saying, you know, it's metadata or it's this or it's that or, oh, you know, you don't really have you know security and safety and, you know, even if you're using SSL to connect to your email server, when your email server passes the message along, it to doesn't be delivered, SSL. It's not using SSL. It's not encrypted. It's plain text unless you're using something like PGP or some other encryption thing like like which Jason, is a pain Stank. in the ass but this is this has always been the case, and there have always been intelligence agencies including the n s a who have been uh you know they i mean certainly in, in recent years um, you know, perhaps they they have you know developed new and interesting ways of of extracting information from you know data metadata whatever you know, i mean to me that doesn't really matter um the fact is that for Decades and decades and decades there have been probably hundreds of years there have been these institutions uh who have been basically spying on us, so why is everyone but but here is the kicker going crazy now about this' here's the kicker the I mean kicker we all knew is, it right
0: people are stupid
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no
0: no, not to be offensive, but they you are you're ignorant of the the internet was designed to be open way of sharing documents of basically being an open way of sharing text. It never really occurred to the people who designed it to be like, what if we want to keep all this private? Because the spirit at that time, especially among computer, sci- computer scientists and even today was about this concept of like open source, open everything, open protocols, making it easier for people to develop the technology and share information That's all it about. So in cryptography. It was certainly counter, it's antithetical to that whole spirit in a certain sense of we need to keep everything private and encrypted and blah, 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 blah. They didn't think about it that way. So the Internet and all the Internet protocols were designed about that. And with the explosion of the Internet, uh, cryptography became impractical for the functioning of it because so many people liked it, so many people used it that – You know, all the infrastructure has a difficult time keeping up with the constant increase. New people coming online. New people want to connect to Facebook. New people want to do emails. New people want to do chat messages, stuff like that. And those services do use something called SSL to kind of, sort of, you know, implement some sort of encryption and privacy. And it does kind of work for the average person, but it's it's not going to work for any government agency or any hacker who has uh, a lot of time on his hands.
3: You know, Mm -hmm. the the way I always explain. Uh, things like using SSL or if, you know, if, if you're in a hotel room and you're using shared Wi-Fi and there is a smart person that is in another hotel room on the same network as you and you're logging into your bank. Well, a bank is a bad example because you Facebook, they did this usually with Facebook. They use SSL. You know, you're logging into Facebook and it's not encrypted. They have your login. They have your password. They have your Facebook account. And this happened. Okay. Now, that's, you know, that's like, you know, kind of like, you know, people talk about script kitties. It's, you know, you, you use things like SSL and, and basic encryption and, you know, to protect against uh, those individuals who are uh, basically script kitties, which is people who are sort of more annoying than threatening, you know. Yeah. I mean, okay, they may steal your bank account information. Well, you can, you can close your account, cancel, you know, you get mm-hmm. refunded for fraudulent charges. It's an inconvenience, but nothing bad happens.
0: Yeah, it's not. They're not but like they're terrorists.
3: A, yeah, you, know? that y- you can't actually really protect yourself very well against some intelligence agency that has uh, probably some technology that's rather astounding to you know by by modern standards and that is determined to make you look like a bad guy or. Well, here's the crux it's,
0: on uh, that one: is that in order to have SSL, all those companies register their certificates with like VeriSign or. Yeah. Um, what's my favorite one? Um, Digicert, which is used by the Department of Homeland Security. Um, but they, you have to register that certificate, and all these telecommunication companies are mandated to provide law enforcement with data. Don't you think that they're man, that they're that they're required to give them the certificate? So, I mean, they don't have to crack SSL at all. That's ridiculous. They just go to the company that the certificate is registered to and say, "Give me the keys."
3: And, and, even and then, they, do it. they may not be interested in exactly what you're saying. They may be interested in just a connection between you and someone else, which they may be able to extract in some other way. And,
0: but they already can because but, the, the, the headers of that of that that message are plain text because it has to be routed. Yeah.
3: But again, none of that is anything new, and it's always been that way. And so I I sort of keep coming back to the question of you know why why has this this Edward Snowden come out? you know why this revelation about Verizon and why this edward snowden character and and you know why is everyone up in arms right now when i mean especially ever since since nine eleven you know you know back then it was okay that everyone was being spied on, and now it's not i mean of course everyone knew that they were being spied on back then now all of a sudden it's not acceptable, and you know what about the timing of the event like is there anything else going on? at the time that we're not supposed to be looking at because we're obsessed about metadata and all this other nonsense.
2: Well, on that note, I mean, okay, this guy Edward Snowden goes public. And now he's supposed to be hiding somewhere. Huh. Huh. Like you can hide in China or anywhere for that matter. Sure you can. And not be seen or found or or leave some kind of trace. So what is going on here? Well, I think it's interesting that it's not really being said, but it's always implied in the background that uh, in fact, Obama did say explicitly in a press conference he gave shortly after the story broke that uh, this program, he was referring to the prison program, is what helps us to find terrorists. But that. That falls flat on the face because, well, as, as our listeners will be aware, uh, the real terrorists invariably are state agencies who carry out false flag attacks and manipulate people into into this global war into believing this global war on terror that all these security measures are necessary to protect you from the the bad guys out there. We've got a caller now. Do we, Scotty? We sure do. Okay, let's take a call.
3: Hi, caller. What's your name?
6: Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Joe.
3: Huh.
6: Oh, Joe. Isn't what Joe? a surprise. Where?
0: Oh, Joe, somebody we don't know at all.
6: Yeah. Welcome to uh, On The Air. Welcome my, to South Radio. This is my first time calling in. <laughs> <laughs> what,
2: what's your question well, or comment?
6: Well... I was just I was just listening to the show. It's a bit, it's a great show actually, and I think people, you know, need to know that that um, basically they're not nothing they say or or say or do or write or whatever on the internet is um, is, is private. So if uh, if you if there's something that you kind of morally wouldn't stand by. I wouldn't like people to know about you shouldn't be doing it on the internet basically, you know, you do it privately. Uh that seems like a no brainer. But on the on the other question of why now, you were just kind of touching with there on there on why this has come out right now and what else is going on. <clears throat> well, first of all, I think these kind of things are are <clears throat> released. Um Periodically, these kind of like exposures of just how kind of kind of fascist the the US government, for example, has become, and the, the whole intelligence apparatus has become, and it's just put out there that really to test people's reaction uh, in mm-hmm. a way, or to just kind of say to them, basically, listen, this is what we're doing, and you know, what are you going to do about it? Oh, nothing. That's what I thought. Type of thing, you know, and to yeah. kind of you know, it, it's a whole kind of like, Getting them to accept something and uh, you know to to tell them that to basically say, listen, here's another step towards a an overt police state or a fascist state and uh, and when they accept it and don't do anything about it, and no one complains or accepts it under some bullshit rationale like it's protecting against terrorism etc, then you know the next the next thing will be easier for them to accept the, the more the more of these Fascistic type steps uh, that are that, that people accept, uh, the easier it will be to, to, to continue on down that line. You know, because uh, I can't think of any other reason why this would why it's news at all, really. Mm-hmm. Because as, as, as you guys have been saying, I mean, this has been in the news for a long time. You know uh, about yeah. You it, know,
2: it, it is it is surfaced it is surfaced time and time again.
6: Yeah, I mean, the patriot. That's, this is what the Patriot Act was about. Exactly. You know, ten years ago, ten years ago, and it was, I mean, I mean, anybody who has even a, a passing interest in the kind of stuff and the kind of legislation and laws that have been passed since um, since 9/11, no, knew this or knows this if they, if they researched it a bit. They knew that this kind of stuff was going on. So, so big mm-hmm. deal. Why, why make a big, big? Oh my God, this is happening! The only thing I can I can think of is that it's just a kind of uh, test the public reaction, or to just not even mm-hmm. test the public reaction, so they know the public aren't going to react. They just want to kind of rub their faces in it and have everybody kind of just cow, cow their or bow their heads, and you know, uh, and say yes or yeah. no sir, whatever, sure, you know. Uh, it's it's yeah, kind but, of domination. It's almost like a domination thing, you know.
0: Mm. Well, I think uh, if I if I can add a comment to that, <clears throat> it seems that what, what people are doing is, is they're working very hard to kind of deify the state because. One of the one of the main fears of, of Christians and one of the main things of, of Christianity was that you know God was all seeing and all knowing. You know he knew what you were saying in private and what you were thinking, and that's what people are basically saying about the government here. They're saying they know everything, they see everything, and with the Obama and his kill list and drone striking, and he can point his finger at anybody and kill them. Um, as I was saying before to you in, in a conversation we had, basically. You know, the United States government or even the president or the office has become kind of this, you know, Thunderbolt of Zeus and striking down the the unrighteous with his his mighty predator drone Thunderbolt. Um mm-hmm. and that they're basically deifying the government and saying, look, we know everything, we see everything, and we can kill anyone anywhere, we can render anyone anywhere, we can do all of this stuff.
6: hmm Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, for the
6: for the the people, there's an awful lot of people out there who who hear that kind of stuff going on and they like it. They think it's cool. Yeah. They think, Oh thank God, you know, uh, there's somebody in control and power and you know, I mean that whole authoritarian follower type thing. If you're an authoritarian follower, you essentially like authority, you like someone to make decisions for you. Mm-hmm. So there's really no there's really no no limit to the to the scope of an authority to say, Okay, listen, I'm going to take control of this part of your life, I'm going to cont- take control of this part of your life, I'm gonna impose this kind of a a, a stricture or a control over you and and the people who like authority and like authority to make decisions for them will be happy enough with that i think it's even worse yeah what
0: i think it's even worse than that i think that even the people who are not authoritarians kind of like that i was given neil at one point this kind of like analogy where you know imagine that you've been you're sleeping in your bed and some mass men come in they put a hood over you and they put you in the back of a truck. And it's driving uh-huh. down the road, and it turns off into some bumpy road, and you feel it's getting bumpier and bumpier, and then the car starts to swerve, and, and it gets worse and worse. And as you're sitting there with your handcuffs and your bag over your head in the back of this truck, you're not thinking about escape anymore. You're just hoping yeah. to God that somebody's behind the wheel, even if they're evil. At least tell me that somebody is driving this crazy thing, you know? because yeah. it, it And and a lot of people, like these mm-hmm. actors people and all this other stuff, they, they want – so bad for there to be a grand conspiracy, because at least then there's somebody in control, and you know somebody has this grand master plan, some all-powerful, even if evil. I mean, there there must be a god in heaven, even if God is evil in a certain sense.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. It's basically, there has to be some some authority of whatever flavor. Uh, they need it, you know. Uh, and maybe, maybe I don't know if there's, there's an argument to say that that's been they've been programmed that way, or they've been slowly. Uh, program to to you know to want that kind of authority. You know, I mean on this on this NSA kind of wiretapping thing. I mean, there's been an awful lot of um, Hollywood movies over the past 10, 15, going back maybe fifteen, twenty years uh, on, on on this kind of you know depicting this kind of NSA surveillance. You know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you think of movies like uh, Enemy of the State or Minority Report and stuff. You know that were Mm-hmm. blockbuster movies and stuff I mean uh, I think I think the movies and this is just, not just in this area they do it in many other areas as well, as well but movies have played a part in conditioning people to uh, to either accept this kind of thing and specifically wiretapping as normal or to you know put it kind of make it make it so fictional or so when people see stuff in the movies it's like there's a, there's a there's a break with reality that they don't really believe that that kind of thing is happening. you know it's kind of a weird thing. It's almost like they play with people's minds that uh as to whether or not this is real, you know and then, but then people read it now they hear it, uh, that it's real you know basically um what do you call it? uh enemy of the state, the stuff that was an enemy of the state where they have these cameras that they can follow you and stuff you know um that mm-hmm. like um but that's all pretty much real and they they have access to all of your emails all of your uh, phone they, calls, etc. They so, announced.
2: They announced not long after the story broke that uh, some 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 poll in the US found a majority of people were supportive of, of mass of mass surveillance and thought that Snowden was a traitor. Uh, yeah. Whether whether or not that's a true reflection of opinion, you can see that 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 is the impression they would like to broadcast. Social proof. Yeah. That we you know, all are behind this.
6: It's almost like a fake kind of argument or a phony, a phony kind of discussion that they're creating about it. Because personally, and, I, and you know, this is just my opinion, but I don't really see why anybody else would have a problem with it either. I don't really have a problem with, uh, in this day and age, in the state of the world, I don't care if the government, any government, is checking my emails and listening to my phone calls. They're, they're very welcome to it. You know, I try to say as much as, as much as I can. Uh, about what I think as publicly as I can anyway, you know, on Facebook and on, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, so so in terms well, of my political belief or anything that would be a threat to the state, I don't care, I'm saying it mm-hmm. on Facebook. And secondly, the other thing then is, is is my personal life, right? My my private correspondence with family members or friends and stuff. And, you know, there's not an awful lot in there that would be really of much interest to, uh, well, I hope it wouldn't be of much interest to, to people in the yeah. NSA, you know, because they'd be pretty they be pretty sad individuals if they're kind of you know getting off and reading my email, my private emails, you know, uh-huh. pitching up my, well, uh, my my mom or something or my dad, you know.
4: It's, it's, it's true when you when you spread uh, truth, for example, that's one of the things that actually benefit from from being shared or even listened in, you know.
6: Yeah, exactly. So, so I can't. I mean, the average person in America, really, who's hiding what? You know, I mean, I mean, anybody who's doing something that they don't want the government or the NSA to know about it, they shouldn't be doing it on the internet. You know, I mean, are they worried? I mean, it's someone like doing some kind of, some kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, think of anything that you wouldn't want uh, the government to know but in the sense of that they could prosecute you for it. I mean, I mean, what else is there? You know what I mean? That you should be afraid of. Well, well okay. I so... mean, it, on, It's on a principle thing after that. It's like, oh, well, I don't want the, the, I don't want the NSA to know that, you know, I'm having a, I can't. I'm I've fallen out with my with my mom, and and that we're having uh, harsh we've exchanged harsh words over
4: email. I
5: mean,
4: that's, but they're not interested I, I in
6: that. Don't like the idea of that, huh?
4: Yeah. They're not well, interested in that. I think I think they're, they're not probably interested. more well, what interested. What, what are they interested in? I think they're probably more interested.
3: To... In, uh, you know, like you were saying uh, that you know you don't you don't really mind if you you know if they're <sighs> reading your emails because you're saying the same thing in email that you're saying on Facebook, and I think for most yeah. people. That's not the case. I think for a lot of people, they you know they feel a certain way and they see that you know their government is doing something and they, they really don't agree with it, and they'll say it in mm-hmm. the privacy of their own home, but they're scared to death to say it in public. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a very interesting exercise if everyone who actually felt this way did actually start speaking up and post it on your Facebook well, page and post it on Twitter. And because yeah, give them they, a whole they, lot of data to work with right Exactly. Yeah. What are they, they going to do when they discover that the majority of the population – is, you know, and I mean, kind of, kind of like a, kind of like a little, uh, and, and, uh, denial
0: of in, intelligence.
3: It, yeah. Uh, like a, denial
0: like of a service attack.
3: And of course, if, if everybody's saying it, you know, cause I mean, most people I talk to, it's like, you know, they have, uh, in fact, it was, um, one of my friends the other day was saying that he was speaking to some, uh, French people and, they they got chatting and and you know the guy he owns a business and and he said yeah you know the the government they instituted these laws and you know I I had like thirty people employed you know, you know I mean you know I ran a company I had thirty people working for me you know providing me a job providing them jobs and and the government came in and said oh here's a bunch of regulations you know and okay. uh, he had to either spend half a million euros or close his business so he closed his business and laid off all his workers and now he's an independent. Uh, Craftsmen, and it's like, you know, people don't even things like that. They won't actually go out and 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 publicly say anything. They just keep it to themselves and just kind of mention it if they if they sort of meet with a you know sort of a, a more collinear soul, someone with similar viewpoints or something. Then they'll share it, but otherwise, they're just scared to death to say anything
6: about it. Yeah, but they shouldn't be really.
2: Yeah, I think I think part of the problem is that most people have. Some kind of skeleton in their closet. Now, it's not much. Like of a what? Skeleton. No, no. what? Well, like what? Like they've been to websites they know they shouldn't have been. For example, <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> they yeah, were beating yeah. off at two in the morning while <laughs> while Mrs. was upstairs. Hey, Bruce, slathered in peanut
6: butter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know.
2: We can. We. I'm sure we all have our little moments. Where we go. I wonder if
0: they'll ever expose blackmail
6: then. Yeah, basically.
0: exactly. That's what they're kind of doing to a large part of the population. Because, I mean, there might be people who are homosexual and have been on homosexual porn websites, and they just don't want people to know about it. Okay, right. that's fine. That's, that's all right. You know? So that, that is, in a certain sense, part of what the NSA is, what's happening in the press
4: right now, is it is kind of emotional blackmail against certain types of people. Yeah, but to ask, uh, what are they interested in? And I think it's uh, like a social graph, as I mentioned uh, earlier, to see yeah. who is connected with whom. And yeah. uh, because they they also want to see and, and study the world, but they do it with technology, you know? But yeah, here's the thing. Absolutely. I mean, and what
3: if what if everybody spoke their mind and everyone was connected to everyone else? What the hell would they do <laughs> then? Exactly. Nothing. They would go well, that was yeah. useless. <laughs> yeah.
2: So what you guys seem to be saying is this is basically a bluff.
0: Yeah, kind, kind of. You know, I mean, kind you of might late. do it. But
6: Go on. It kind of sounds like it to me, you know, it's, um, I mean, apart from those few small things that you can think of that someone would feel that they might be blackmailed by, you know, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people who would have, you know, who might have been on, on such websites or, or whatever and, and might fear that the NSA will, you know, send them an email and say, if you don't stop posting anti-government messages on Facebook, we are going to send. Uh, Details of your interneting to your <laughs> your significant dollar sure. or something, which I is mean, an
0: unrealistic fear. You know, I mean, because if but, they ever played that card, you know, that would be a pyrrhic victory because they'd play that card and the other person wouldn't be destroyed, and then you'd be like, okay, well, now where are you?
6: Exactly. So I, I'm really struggling to, to see. It's, it's an irrational uh, why, fear. It, yeah, but I'm struggling. Well, yeah, I'm struggling to see why, from their point of view, from the NSA point of view, what they. And, and what they can achieve from this, apart from that kind of like um, idea of you know like it's a, it's a psychological ploy to, to some people who might have something to hide, but other right. than that, then the main thing might be uh, what 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 Maggie was saying there that um, it's a more mm-hmm. in-depth look at the kind of way people are organizing the way people are thinking. But shit, I mean, I don't need all those. What are they, exabytes and stuff of data and <laughs> computers for real? I don't need that to kind of get an idea, a good idea of what people are thinking in the world today. You know what I mean? And I don't think governments really have... Just read the slot
2: page. You know? Well, that, that's yeah, something that... I that, don't think governments we, are to be right of. That's something we were going to get into. You know, what is it that intelligence... What is an intelligence agency? So they gather intelligence. Well, why do they get, What What is intelligence? Well... They want to see, they want to know, they want knowledge, I guess. They want as much information about how the world works, how it is. I I guess they believe that they're after an objective view of the world with which to then... Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. But I'm I'm looking at our little operation, Softnet. I mean, that's basically what we do. Yeah. And we analyze it. We don't need terabytes, petabytes, exabytes, whatever they are, to... It gets to the point, if you have enough, if you have an objective foundational basis of knowledge, you can open the mainstream paper the next day, scan it, scan it and just get the gist. And you already have a more objective overview of what is going on out there than all the analysts and all the supercomputers NASA has put together. Pretty much NSA, (laughs) NASA, they're all the same to me.
6: Alphabet suit, yeah. So
2: well, go
0: on, I can yeah.
6: see how, I can see how this kind of thing would be justified by, um, you know, by the whole by the whole war on terror and uh, preventing terrorist attacks and keeping you know eavesdropping on terrorists because, you know, I can see how it, at a certain level that the infrastructure for that would be put in place by all the people who man that infrastructure and all the money that's thrown thrown at it from Congress and stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: That but would be the rationale people, given to. The authoritarian yeah, and people would buy and, and
6: into it people, and you could, yeah, yeah, and p- people would buy into it, and people would work in it, and they would they would basically put that in place and have that whole infrastructure and it's it's, right. it's ridiculous uh when you when you realize the truth about the war on terror, like I mean but from their point of view they they might get a bit paranoid and they start to think, well, you know how many terrorists are there right? there are really and you start looking at it's not just foreigners, it's not just Muslims anymore, it could be anybody, and you extend it, you know, you feel like your mind your imagination wander a little bit uh, in, in, in the position of these people, uh, you can see how they would eventually extend it to, well, anybody, we need to to really be sure, we need to cover everybody, so let's get data from everybody, Um, but then I, I'm pretty sure also that there are people above and beyond that who realize that that's all bullshit, they understand the, the truth of the war on terror, that there is no real terror threat, but, mm. you know, so maybe it's just putting the structure in place and, you know, maybe the, this whole NSA and the CIA and all of the people that populated it and, it, you know, it, it it's a, it's an end in itself. It's not a means to an end, if you know what I mean. It's just having that structure in place and having stories like this that come out. They all just support the idea of a war on terror. So it's just part of the propaganda, really, you know. And yeah. all that data really is useless, ultimately useless to anybody Uh and, you know, and there is no grand conspiracy behind it, you know, there is no ultimate goal why the real secret government needs all this data. They they don't need it. It's pointless, you know, like we were just saying. Uh, there really isn't any threat from people, uh, and certainly I don't think there's any threat that they can, they would be able to analyze uh, by, by gathering everybody's emails and phone calls, because, you know, I think if, there, if there's a threat to the government is a revolution, and I think revolutions tend to kind of um, happen spontaneously rather than be a
1: long-planned,
6: mm-hmm. you know, uh, plot. Um, but just one other thing I want to say with this Snowden guy, uh, that's just bullshit to me. I mean, he, he's such a... He's mirroring... Uh, um, what's his face? Assange G- so yeah. much. Uh, and the whole WikiLeaks thing. And the whole thing is, it's very similar to the whole WikiLeaks thing in a way, because... Um, and of course, Assange came out and said that uh, he was a hero, unsurprisingly, yeah, that Snowden was a hero. But it's basically the same thing. Was, the same thing was true about WikiLeaks. All the stuff that WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks produced had been in the press for several years beforehand. You know, all of the details about, and in fact, much worse details about, the you know, the crimes and the, the war crimes, etc., of the U.S. military, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. That was all in the press- much worse uh, evidence for for those things were in the press we're in the normal media press right. uh many years beforehand, but suddenly wikileaks come out and there's this aura of oh this is he- hidden super secret information, but you look at the information and it's not it's not uh an expose it's, it's, you know so this this guy's Snowden's is him i mean he's saying basically the n s a is um recording all your phone calls and your emails uh, uh we do that's, that. that's what the Patriot Act said that we could do you know. Ten years
2: ago. Exactly. Well, I, I'm getting deja vu in so many ways from this story. Yeah. So you, you mentioned the NSA wiretapping scandal. So that mm-hmm. came out in 2000, 2006. hmm Now that originally that that came that was because of the whistleblower that Jason mentioned earlier, William Binney, former NSA. Binney was with the NSA for 40 years. Unlike unlike Snowden, who was with them for not three or four months as a subcontractor. Anyway, uh, the New York Times sat on this for a year. Anyway, it eventually was released in 2006, and you had the illegal wiretapping scandal. Um, the, the program then was called Stellar Wind, code codename for information collection activities performed by the NSA. Actually, no, it wasn't Binney who revealed it. It was another whistleblower, Thomas Tam, Wow, the, this is the most secret agency in the entire Oh, world. man, I've got a list of seven whistleblowers oh in the NSA God. in the last they're 10 hemorrhaging, years. They're hemorrhaging information. So, on purpose. Uh, the, operation, yeah. the operation was approved by Bush on the 4th of October 2001. Now, what I found interesting was that this PRISM operation, uh, well, it wasn't, well, the first we're hearing of it is this court order for Verizon to hand over data. That was issued on April 25th. And April 25th is 10 days after the Boston bombings. Then the stellar wind was initiated, at least on paper, less than a month after 9-11. So you've got this this scandal, so to speak, following on the heels of the only two actual, actual, inverted commas, terrorist attacks in the United States. There does seem to be a pattern here. Um,
6: Yeah, so you were asking kind of what is going on now that they would release this to kind of uh, either distract the population or, you know, make uh, in a sense of people actually feeling positive about it, that there's this all-seeing eye, if I can use that term, um, mm-hmm. but they feel they feel comforted by that and that kind of offsets maybe uh, any exposure what? or any negative press for the government from other stories that are going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one that springs to mind is the—I uh, mean, it's an ongoing story, but it's Obama kind of officially saying that he's going to arm the Syrian rebels who are essentially mm-hmm. Al Qaeda and who uh, are a bunch of, you know, cutthroats basically, and cut, <laughs> cut, cut, cut hearts—they, so you know, they, they cut out the internal organs of of their enemies and eat them. That's the kind of people that they're. Uh, that Obama is saying, yes, we're going to support these people. You know, I don't know if that's, because the uh,
0: government's never done, done that before. They were contra. <laughs>
6: I know.
2: iran country, exactly. I don't, know, that if that's,
6: would... I don't yeah. know if it's something that they—that's um, something they would want to distract from, because I really, at this point, don't think—I uh, think that uh, people don't care uh, about anything that's going on. Well, I don't. I can't imagine what would have to happen, you know, um, for anybody to get worked up about anything that's going on in the world. You know, um, I can't well, imagine. Uh, but anything the government does, the government could, you know. I don't know, you know, Obama could... The
2: very first thing
6: Maybe I something noticed. religious, oh. you know, he could, like, if he kind of, like, fought on the cross or, you know, uh, I don't know, burn the American flag, maybe. Uh, something yeah. along those lines, people might get a bit annoyed, but... Or uh, if he
0: got oral sex in the Oval Office, they might impeach him. Yeah, they might. I mean, not Often, if he's killing people yeah. and not if he's got rights to, to kill people without a trial. Nobody cares about that, but if he got a blowjob, no. get him out of there.
6: Yeah. Or if you desecrated the American flag, if you wiped his bum with the American flag, uh, people might have a revolution.
2: <laughs> Larry
0: Flint, but I think
6: you'd be careful not speak, to do that.
2: Speaking of revolution, I, I, I got a, I got an alert in my inbox when this story broke, and I, I, you know, I started reading it, and I just moved on because, to me, it was like, oh, whatever, old news. But I only I started paying attention then, when I was on Facebook, and I was seeing the. All these comments, people were getting worked up about it. Right. I was like, okay, what's going on here? Talking about, you know, revolution tomorrow revolution. and get them, you know? It, yeah. it was definitely a marked kind of, uh, I guess it was anger, but it, is it really anger? Are, are they really that shocked? Like you mentioned, Joe, I mean, they've been fed this programming through movies, through yeah, most uh, people, other relations for the past 10 plus years. Is it kind here, of here's
6: kind a false shock? Here, here. You know, Here's an idea that it's it's a kind of it's a kind of a bit of reverse psychology in a way, or it's uh, you know it's actually a means to an end in the sense that they put out this kind of thing, saying that they've been recording everybody's emails and telephone calls, uh, and they really haven't, but they just say that they have, so they can see who gets worked up about it, and then they can start recording their. Telephone
2: calls in <laughs> exactly
7: <laughs> and like yeah, bait, it's a, it's bait
6: basically you
2: know <laughs> the ultimate honey trap speaking mm-hmm. of honey traps, um Edward Snowden and his girlfriend that's just too weird. I mean there are here you've got this guy who's, who's supposedly left behind uh his fiance in Hawaii uh who's a pole dancer mm-hmm. now is yeah. he a
0: stripper or a pole dancer?
2: I think I believe the term is pole dancer because she's former ballerina. So right, I, I want to ask so the low. question.
0: Oh, so she Go just dances on. on a pole with her clothes on?
2: Uh, well, just a couple of clothes, but not much. Not much, but but, but she's still clothed. So she's, okay, I just want to know, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, uh, and then you know, it's, it it's kind of it sort of you know, adds this whole sexy element to this thing. And, and, and but she's military. Yeah. She's a military brat though, isn't she? I mean, it's so convenient. She's like the daughter of some. I'm not sure person. about that. I'm not sure about that, oh, but, okay. you know, they they supposedly, the impression that we're meant to get from this is that he left her to stand for a higher truth, you know, he was oh, yeah. doing the honorable mm. thing.
0: His money. I left money, and I left her comfortable.
2: And, and all uh, that yet, they were renting a house in Hawaii, which they left on May 6th, exactly one month before this release, and I'm just thinking, hang on a minute, this, 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 this stands like a story. Handler. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's 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 the story to accompany it that get, that sort of fleshes it out. It, it's like a really cheesy Hollywood movie. It, it's cheesy. It
0: I mean, is. Yeah. You look,
6: I'm telling you look you, they back, should make another Bourne movie. With yeah, Edward Snowden, Jason Bourne, Matt Damon as Jason Bourne as Edward Snowden.
2: <laughs> Matt Damon as Edward Snowden. <laughs> <laughs> the this actually, I, I was looking into how this came about. This actually goes back to January. In January. Um, have you seen the video the the interview he he gives to the Guardian that was posted on or about the 6th, that was professionally made by an Academy award winning or nominated documentary filmmaker called Laura Quatras I think and she then gave an interview to Salon salon Salon.com which is where Greenwald used to work which is where Glenn Greenwald used to work uh, in January, she says that she was contacted by, and she didn't know it was Edward Snowden at the time, but I got to, I've got to read out some of this, this interview she gave about how the story came about because it's like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. So she's asked, how did all this begin? I was originally contacted in January anonymously. The salon asks, uh, by Edward Snowden? Well, I didn't know who it was. What was the format via email? It said, I want to get your encryption key and let's get on a secure channel. <laughs> and then right. she's asked, and he, this person didn't say what it was about. And she said, uh, no, he just said, I have some information in the intelligence community and it won't be a waste of your time.
0: <laughs> and then, Obsidian wow. level
2: encryption. And then she's asked, <laughs> did, did you immediately know what, what to do, what, how, how to go about it so it would be a secure protocol? I actually did. I have a lot of experience because I've been working with, as you note in your introduction, I've done filming with WikiLeaks. I know Jacob Applebaum. Uh I already had, you see, I already had encryption keys. But what he was asking for was beyond what I was using in terms of security and anonymity for WikiLeaks. So this this was the next step up. Oh, yeah. uh, Okay. Salon asks, how did it proceed from there? (laughs) Well, I can't go into too many details, but sort of ongoing correspondence. Blah, blah, blah. At that point, it was all completely theoretical, but I had a feeling it was legit. And then she's asked, oh, yeah, how come you think he contacted you? Were you the first person he contacted? Well, I can't speak for him. Presumably, she's talking about Edward Snowden. Glenn and I, Glenn Gwynn, the journalist, have just touched base about this because he was contacted later in the spring. I think he got the email in February. Blah, 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 blah. The point I'm trying to make here is that there's there's open email correspondence going back six months and we're supposed to believe this cropped up on yep. um, and caught the NSA with their pants down. Yeah. Uh, right yeah, in June.
3: As, as we as we noted earlier about encryption, uh encryption is not
2: fail Yeah. That's
3: that's their that's yeah, their well, explanation. So, oh, they were talking so about here, it for six months, but no, no, it was encrypted, so that's why the NSA didn't know. But they're the NSA. Okay. So, aside
4: aside, aside so, from that, you don't have to send encryption keys manually. It's usually negotiated automatically. So they don't seem to have a lot of knowledge about encryption.
6: Yeah, so if Sorry, people, if people um, think about it then, this has been going on and NSA has been tapping it's,
7: it's phones been and
6: e- 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 emails. Well, they've been doing it for, for years and mm-hmm. uh, you would assume that one of the things, apart from terrorism, let's say, uh, you know, bomb, um, you know, White House, kill, president, that, those kind of words, you know, al-Akbar, uh, Muhammad Jihad, uh, jerka, jerka jerka, those jerka. kind of words. <laughs> <laughs> apart from those kind of words, they would also be probably high on their list for for keywords to, to pull, to, to flag. Uh, that The system would flag would be uh, stuff about uh well, certainly, they would have all of their employees, including contractors. Uh, They'd probably have all of their emails. They're watching all of their emails, right? you can't do that if you have any sense at all, and also any kind of words about, you know, coming from those people, contacting people like the like the woman that you just mentioned, even Glenn Greenwald's name. Uh, I have information. Surely, it's going to pick up on that kind of stuff, right? Uh, yeah. If if the system's worth worth its salt, it's going to do that, right? And it's thrown all this money at it, surely they've developed right. a decent system. But apparently, uh, they missed missed this guy, right? Um, yeah. So everybody can rest easy because the NSA's super secret snooping system is not a shit. <laughs>
7: exactly.
6: <laughs> so, so, so so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, well, so it's all it's all it's all a load of bullshit, really. Um, yeah. and an And uh, yeah, it has to be, you know. Um, guess, guess what
2: Obama, guess what Obama was doing or was scheduled to do on the seventh and eighth, so the day after this breaks, he was on his way to China to meet his counterpart, the Chinese president. for a discussion, roundtable talks on the <laughs> on China's espionage, namely all the spying that the Americans have accused the Chinese of doing on their systems. Then this breaks, the guy's in Hong Kong and it's all about how the NSA is buying on, well, China's China. named everybody else, their own people. and yeah. So I thought that was interesting as well. I mean, yeah. it, it, in, a, in a way, it does, seem, it, it does seem that something came from outside to catch the White House with his pants down. But then on the other hand, it's really weird. The Guardian makes very explicit that they contacted the White House itself, the NSA, the Department of Justice, and I think the Department of Defense, the day before they were going to publish this, this first breaking story, and mm-hmm. offered them the right of reply either within the article and or if there, were any, if, if there was any sensitive information in the article they were going to publish, would they like to withdraw it you know, for reasons yeah, of right. national security, blah, blah, blah. They were given 24 hours to do it. And they just said, uh, I don't know what they they
6: responded. They but probably said you know, they were they, they were, were like,
2: handed they were handed the story on a platter. Yeah.
6: yeah and they said nah, no, okay, Go ahead with it. There's nothing. This, this There's this nothing interesting.
0: This is basically a case of the dog that didn't bark. You know the Sherlock Holmes story that obviously the you know they knew about it because they didn't do anything. They knew about it beforehand. Yeah. They could have stopped it. The, the Guardian is infamous for for basically being the lap dog of the intelligence agencies, and they didn't and they knew about it, and they sent an email, probably not encrypted, (laughs) so the NSA didn't even have to decrypt the email that they sent to it. And they knew about it and didn't do anything, which makes me uh, very, very suspicious about the entire situation. It is basically the piece of evidence that I think brings the entire official story crumbling to the ground when it comes to obviously something else is going on because the dog didn't bark in a certain sense.
6: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look at it from a broad perspective, you know what what's the what's the effect of this story? Uh, it's not really going to damage the government. It isn't damaging the government. It's making a lot of people, especially in the U.S. and maybe elsewhere, feel even a little bit more secure or you know feel comfortable enough. Well, that's just the way it is. And people are just ignoring it, basically, you know. So I don't. Right. I'm, I'm struggling to find out what the what the point of it is, other than sending a message to some people, maybe, that, you know, this is what we can do, or, you know, letting them know that the NSA is doing this, just repeating, you know, in case you missed the Patriot Act, by the way, we've been, we, we're we going to assume the right to um, read all of your emails and listen to all of your telephone conversations, and there's not much you can do about it, uh, I mean so they're, you know. happy to, they're happy to put that out there, you know?
0: This is the scene from The Wizard of Oz. You know, I am the great and powerful Oz. Fear me, tremble. Yeah,
6: yeah You know, exactly. and
0: of course, don't look behind the curtain. Uh, what really yeah, disgusts me? Yeah, it's like me. you were
6: saying earlier on, Jay, that it's basically, uh, you know, they're they're trying to project a uh, an aura of power and control. Uh, and uh, and like I, like I was saying, people, a lot of people like that, you know. And um, I don't know. I wonder if
2: they haven't already got this kind of system in place that 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 haven't even, you know, it's not even named. I mean, it's it's, trivial I certainly it, it certainly so. isn't named. They, if you were to go with it, they probably have technology that goes beyond what they've actually They don't discussed. need technology. If I had physical Wait, access... The, the reason I'm going this way is because I think the real value is something that Michael touched on earlier, that... They're not particularly. I mean, it is useful. They can go in and home in on one person and, and blackmail. Them. They have done that in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy yeah. um, Spitzer comes to mind. But mm-hmm. the uh, more general function, the the reason they throw trillions of dollars at this is because they can get an overview of. They can extract or see whatever way it's represented visually for them. They get an overview of what the mass mind is doing. Is it? Is it? Is it? leaning this way now? Is it going that way? Okay, we're going to need to insert something at point here, and let's see if it can pull, rain them back in a bit. Okay, over here, there's too much chatter about the strange weather. We're going to need to do something here. I yep. mean,
6: that's, a, that's, that's, that's a good point, yeah.
2: Um, if you look at... i mean, trying to think of what happened recently that they don't want us to know about. Well, it's in your face. May was, I think, the coldest month. The coldest May in the Northern Hemisphere for 200-some years. Mm-hmm.
3: The 80 gajillion tornadoes, including in places where tornadoes usually
2: never form. Exactly. Yeah, right beside me. The world is coming apart at the seams, and I think they are offering a service to those who are afraid, namely the authoritarian follower types. Mm-hmm. It's okay, we've got we got this. We've got your back. you know,
6: getting back. getting back to the thing you were saying, maybe it's a, it's an extended version of the thing that what we call on Cliff High, from Half, half Past Human does, you know, the kind of... Uh, the, the data mining or the you know the yeah. the trends on on he just he just uses the internet you know on what people are talking about across you know across all different websites and forms, etc. But mm-hmm. you can imagine that if you if you saw some value in that that you might want to include actual you know speech on telephone and emails and all that kind of stuff stuff and throw all of that in together if you have some kind of a program mm-hmm. that can. Do the same kind of thing and give you an idea, like you were saying now, of uh, of what people are talking about, what they're thinking about, what's what's mm-hmm. coming up in the mass consciousness, and uh, and and then using that to to put things in place to distract from it or to downplay it or to you know negate any yeah. any any sense of an awareness among people about the important things, you know, like what's well, going the, on the planet, the weather, etc. I mean, it is really a
2: they yeah, um, what's going out there? What's going on out there? They freely admitted that they have, quote, thousands of specialists behind keyboards, ready at the drop of a hat to get out there on the social networks and yeah. rein people back in.
6: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: this is what but if they
6: are doing this kind of thing, then that that might be what it's what it's being really being used for. Because like we're saying, seriously, you know, recording, you know, Betty Ann kind of, you know, chat with her best friend about the local, yes, yes. you know, Salvation Army do that they went to. Really? You know?
2: Yep. Um There's so much bullshit going on about this. There, I was watching a Fox News... Fox News. They have a specialist on, someone who knows, an expert. And great quote from them. They can literally... they. Quite literally can watch your ideas form as you type? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there technology that I mean Google does that. you're typing in your search terms, and Google's sort of predicting where you're going with it. but mm-hmm. the the, the idea is planted there is that, oh my God, they know what I'm thinking,
5: mm-hmm. and
2: this, mm-hmm. this the effect this has on people is that they will self-condition themselves mm-hmm. into behaving. As they think the authority wants them to. there yeah. the, the, There, there is no actual need to send out directives and orders and laws, uh, mm-hmm. and to, to try and physically contain, or physically direct how people should behave.
4: Yeah. The, the much more hap- effective. Hap- ha-
6: yeah. Much more effective, present if people are are essentially their own jailers in, in that sense, you know. So.
4: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway.
6: Anyway, I should I should uh head off here. I've got some uh for, foreign corresponding to do.
4: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> or for, I some, to... for
6: somebody else. Huh? Alright,
0: dude, uh we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks all for right. calling Joe. Thanks bye. All bye Joe. Right,
2: guys. Wanted Take to, it easy. Alright, see you soon.
0: I Wanted to touch on something no. he said. The last thing that he said was the um the prison for your mind. Which is of course a quote from Matrix. Mm-hmm. And that leads to a kind of an interesting little theory that I have. I don't know if it's the truth, it's just an idea. Um, is that in the movie The Matrix you realize that there were there were two matrices. There was the one that was the world of the nineties, and then there was the second matrix, which was for all the, the people who were battling, quote unquote, the matrix was. And both were created by the machines and one was to house the people who rejected the first type of reality and then they could go into the other one which was harsh and everything It was what they thought you know should really be and were freedom fighters and all this stuff and so what if in a certain sense what they're creating when they when they put up these people like Julian Assange and now Edward Snowden is they're creating um, charismatic personalities for people to latch on to so they can join the Julian Assange camp and the Edward Snowden camp or whatever and that basically just helps to give their lives purpose. We're resisting the the great imperial machine and all that stuff. Where it's just basically another second matrix. Um, and the, and of course in the Matrix, the the, this, the council of elders were actually in certain senses some of them were aware that they were in another matrix and that they couldn't escape. That they had, had they'd, they'd been talked to and explained the nature of things and said you're not going to get out. And
2: yeah, and, and and as I remembered, Morpheus was very reluctant to go there. He really believed that. This was their mission. Yeah. And he had to break down and to realize that, oh crap, I was wrong. Yeah. Um that that reminds me of <clears throat> right now. People are protesting in Hong Kong, you know. Edward Snowden is a hero and, and they're out there and, and there's agitation is building right in his defense. Right. In a way, yeah, th- there should be. You know, people should be if the, on story the side of free true in, free information but it, it, also, it also reminds me of George Orwell's book yeah. where there were protests yeah. you know, uh, that were organized. I can't remember the quote, but they, the Emmanuel Goldstein movement, which was set up as a kind of,
0: right.
2: it was one big honey trap. Yeah. And part of that, people were out on the streets and they're protesting the system. And of course, in the end, everyone knows how the story ends. That was all a, a ploy to get people to reveal themselves. Mm. Um, more to the point, though, it's not so much that we should be afraid to speak our mind and show mm-hmm. who we really are, but that battling the matrix right. in this manner is futile. Oh yeah, it's pointless. It's pointless.
4: It's never succeeded. It's a never a successful strategy. But, but as a side note, Orwell's book, 1984, has gone up. Seven thousand percent on Amazon the sales, you know. So there were two articles I read. Three thousand up to seven thousand percent sales increase due to this uh recent NSA issue. Yeah. So, Which is a good an upside. I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not sure, sure what to make of that. Are, are people suddenly
2: getting it or I think that there's a lot more
0: people who get it than we when we give them credit for. I think mm. there's a lot of people who do get it at some level or not. Go ahead, there's a <clears throat>
3: Looks like we have a call here. Let's take it. Hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
7: Hi, it says Rich, calling from England.
3: Hi, Rich. Hi Rich. Hi, Rich.
7: How are you doing? Hello, guys. How, are you, How are you doing? doing? doing?
2: Uh, we're yeah, still on, Okay, thanks. <laughs> good. Hey, yeah. Rich, uh, what's your question or comment?
7: Well, loving the show. It's a fascinating topic. And, yeah, I like the the fast route you're going down, and things are coming up the um just whether they can really do that, and whether they're just um trying to pretend that they can they are the all seeing eye, and everyone should be scared and just shut up and not sort of like trying to create a fear amongst everybody it's um yeah, just fascinating yeah.
2: it's um to, it, it strikes me as it, it's it's psychological operations again. Mm-hmm. They they take various forms, but they all have the same strategy behind them right. to get you to believe something that is not true. <laughs> um, and it it it's kind of a catch-22. I mean, here on Sotnet we've been talking about the global police state uh, coming together piece by piece. It's here. It is global. At the same time, though, what can it really do just to, to stop you? It ultimately relies on the control of information. They can't control it. As Jason's explained, the internet by its nature is open. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're relying on you to accept that they are all knowing to some extent.
4: Yep. and they're, they're, it's like they're playing the role of God or something, Yep, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's and, just a scare tactic to scare people away from sharing information.
0: The thing is is the internet could really save humanity in a certain sense. If people uh, took um, that idea of complete openness to heart and uh, stopped trying to be the, the way they are and just you know sort of went with a flow to it, I mean I mean uh, the, the quickest way or the best way. Um, out of this particular problem that we're in now is actually through it. It's uh, instead of trying to hide yourself, actually come out into the open and proclaim loudly, "I don't agree with what the government does. I think that they're doing this." Even if you have a different opinion, you know, uh, than us, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. If you have different opinions, and that's cool. Everyone's got an opinion, and, and we reach a consensus as, as as a race of all humanity. And and the internet provides that possibility, but. Uh, There's something that Leonardo da Vinci once said, which is something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, that it's easier to stop at the beginning than it is at the end. And in this case right now, um, what's going on with the American government, what's going on with all the world governments, it is easier to, to set up the defense against it now than it will be later. I mean, if now we look at this and they say they're violating our privacy, and so we try to hide more. You know, We try to encrypt our traffic. We try to do all that stuff. Um, we will end up in a situation where we're no longer able to speak out, and speaking out will actually be kind of worse. But if today, right now, you start openly declaring your dislike and distaste for this – this is inhuman treatment. I mean, the right to privacy is – is a, fundamental factor of human dignity. It's a human right. you know. And, and what they're doing, uh, they, they say, oh, we're just doing it to foreigners. It's like, yeah, but it's, you're violating the human rights of foreign nationals. I mean, how could anybody in the world not be outraged by this idea? It's not acceptable to do it to anyone, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they have the capability doesn't mean that they should. Um, and if people just come out and say, hey, this is messed up, and I don't agree with this. And, and just start saying, just, just say stuff on Facebook, say stuff on blog, and don't care. And, and don't care if, you know, whatever. Uh, don't give, you give the government power by trying to hide things, by trying to hide and conceal from them. You give them the power to ultimately do what the 1984 talks about. And, and the, those people in 1984, if you think about it, they got into the position by, you know, saying, oh, well, oh, I'll be able to hide or I'll be able to do this. But then later on, it was so pervasive and so ubiquitous, the controls, um, that they, they
4: could do nothing against it and it was all a big bunch of trap you know. Type. So, in my opinion, the Internet is a huge chance in our time and we should not lose it. I mean, we should, we should double the traffic on the Internet
0: instantaneously by just posting an extra comment know, every day about how we don't agree with the NSA doing what they're doing, you know, we don't agree with these particular laws, and just imagine the increase of traffic if everybody on the internet started saying, hey, hold, everyone going to blogs and posting comments and stuff like that, I mean, you know, the NSA's ability to listen and store would be, you know, all of a sudden it would just be horrifying, you know, then yeah. I think the people I mean, should
6: just
7: be open. It's interesting because when I first saw the story breaking, I found it Actually, just very empowering in terms of hey, there's this guy supposedly who's deep in the belly of the beast, and he's uh, courageously standing out and going very public. So I don't know, but you know whether you know the validity of that. But my own personal <coughs> thought was, well, you know, if you've got a guy there who's not afraid of his, of, his, of his endangering his life and he's happy to speak out given his position, then you know why isn't everybody just being public and speaking out? So I don't know whether you know that's the, the impact on myself was uh, actually yeah to become more outspoken. Actually, found it quite empowering in that regard. So I find sort of the psyop angle of it and the questions over the validity of uh, Snowden, yeah, a bit confusing in that regard. And well, I like what ahead. you say, um, yeah, Jason. About um, it sort of encourages the other reaction is to actually close off and you know start using um, alternative systems to communicate, you know, more encryption, hide, hunker down. Tor. And, yeah, and that makes people actually easier to target, really. If you're doing something suspicious, right. then you're going to be using these programs that are even easier to track, PGP, right. because they're easy to pick up, I, I would guess, but, right. in yeah, that, you know, it's very... not sharing.
0: Right. I mean, you're just going to draw attention to yourself, and like, the Snowden guy is, is promoting Tor, and Tor is a naval intelligence technology, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's basically, that's, I mean, that's like letting the, the fox guard the chicken coop. It's like, I want to hide from the government, so let me use a governmently created technology. You notice know how I coined that word, governmently? <laughs> a government created technology uh, to do so. It's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. It's the fox guarding the chicken house when it comes to Tor.
2: Maybe we should just all invent new words all the time and just totally screw up the oh, data yeah, mining. Totally. Yeah, the data mining. will was... be like, computer, uh, can't process. this. <laughs> Exactly, you know. Well, I'm thinking of
7: just putting miscellaneous characters and everything I wrote, but then just talking garbage. (laughs) Uh,
2: There's there's another angle in this. Let's say for a moment, you know, um, this guy Snowden is sincere. We've no reason to believe he isn't. He may have been manipulated into doing this in some ways, or he ultimately is serving someone else's purpose, but... I, I think I would say to you keep keep the hope because it is on the face of it a good thing. Even if <laughs> even if there's some nefarious reason for it. The thing with the thing with the plot the plotting and scheming that goes on is that it backfires all the time. The I'm sure you I'm sure you are, well, the Arab Spring revolutions in the Middle East, um the latest is Turkey. When, yes, very much so. When, when Egypt exploded, 2011, um, I think th- I think there was really I really did catch them by surprise. It wasn't long before, you know, it was managed well enough that the, that the status quo was returned and Egypt remains a client regime of the United States. But the danger of get this game that they're playing, if there is a game, is that they think they can manage kind of a controlled burn where, okay, we'll we'll stimulate the protest against us that will actually be our own creation. Therefore, we'll be able to manage any real um, mass outbreak of revolution that arises. They're playing a really dangerous game there. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I, I, I would not uh, condemn people who get agitated enough to... Not get up in arms, literally, but to to channel that anger into actually just, even just speaking the truth, speaking your mind, you know. And I think if it gives if it gives hope and you know actually moves things along and creates a momentum, then I'm all for it.
3: Yeah, I think I think the it was interesting what what, what you were saying about how initially it gave you uh, hope. Um, I, I think I think that's it's actually a very good thing whether or not that was actually intended because you know, maybe this whole thing is supposed to be a distraction from something else. Maybe it's more, as Joe said, that it's, you know, it's kind of the same old, same old. And, and if that's the case, then the reaction of, of having hope is, is, uh, actually quite good. But to me, the most important thing then is like we were talking about earlier. If, if everybody got out there and, and stopped being afraid and, or, or stop being apathetic. um, Continued, you know, because if, if this whole scandal goes away and everyone goes, oh, okay, everything's fine, we can go back to, you know, living our lives and everything is normal, and they stop paying attention to what's going on, uh, then temporarily it's it's a good thing, but it's it's not uh, it's not lasting. So
0: I do have, I do have kind of something to say on that. I'm not going to read from a book. I have a I have a book here by called Fear of Freedom by Carlo Levi, and he is talking about. Uh, governments who kind of set themselves up as god or, or some godlike entity that's all-powerful and he does have a little section in where he, where he talks about rebellion and revolt against them and how they can never succeed as long as the intention of the people is to uh, to hate the knife and not the altar that they're being sacrificed on so to hate things like what the NSA is doing is oh that's terrible but they don't recognize the altar is the problem, the the, the state religion, quote-unquote. He uses that terminology, but kind of what he means is what we see in, in America where there's sort of like this almost deifying of the state as being all-powerful and the president can just kill people. And um, they, they fail and fall because they try to supersede the government and power. They try to replace the government with you know something like they want to revolt against them because they want to be in that position and, and as long as you work in the framework that you have been made to believe about the necessity of the whole system the necessity of all this stuff the necessity of the paranoia the necessity of spying on people and all this stuff as long as you believe that kind of schizoidal psychopathic thinking that paranoia about everyone and the this, this misanthropic idea about the intentions of others as long as you subscribe to that, even though you're trying to say, oh well, the NSA is the bad ones here, and we're going to revolt against them, you're just going to maintain the problem, and you will never, never ever succeed. So when people are going out and saying, you know, what am I really rebelling against in this world? What am I really not liking? And the things that you should not like are the, the murder and the violence and uh, the intrusion and privacy, the removing of human dignity, the torture, the punishment, the idea of of punishing people for being wrong or, or against your ideas. So, I mean, w- when that kind of stuff happens, people should stop for a minute and think about what they really want and, and to remember that you're going to have to live with these people after you win. You know, if you're if you're a revolutionary, your hope is to win, right? And And what are you going to do, kill everybody? No, of course you're not. You have to live with them. These people are going to be your neighbors. These people are going to be fellow citizens. And if you go into that kind of idea with this this thing that you're going to punish or subjugate or win and be right above these people, you're going to have to live with them after the fact, you know, or or kill them or what are you going to do? So, you know, you have to kind of come about this, a violent revolution is not really, is never going to be the answer. It will always fail. Even if you win, it will fail ultimately because all you'll do is create a a large area of the population that feels subjugated and uh, dominated by you.
3: Yeah, that's why I like our Facebook, rev- well, Facebook revolution. Can we call it that?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, our, the, the critics say... It's dangerous to use the word revolution. <laughs> the, critics, the critics say, but, but, but Facebook is a creation of the CIA, and well, it might well be, but the whole Internet is a creation of DARPA, the yeah. Department of Defense.
3: Facebook can yeah. be a wonderful tool if you use it that way.
0: Well, the underlying protocols, yeah, to the, 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 be fair, the underlying protocols of the Internet the communications protocols, are somewhat military technology. That is true with ARPANET and things mm. like that. But the Internet as a concept is is actually an academic creation. It's not a military creation. It's the idea of sharing documents in HTML and browsers and all this stuff.
2: Okay, we've got another caller, Rich, so we're going to let you go. Thanks for calling in. That's cool. Cheers. Okay, take it easy.
3: Bye. Bye. All Let's take the next call. All
1: right. Hi. Hi. I, I like to find hi, caller, out. Hi, Collier. What's your name? Joe. So, hey, Joe. I, Okay, hi. I presume hi. you guys, I presume yeah, you people, go ahead. Go on,
2: yeah. No, the the floor is yours. Go for All it. All
1: right. I presume you guys are against the NSA taking a look at the, uh, metadata, the um, metadata, right?
2: No, we're against we're against anyone who encroaches on the privacy of another.
1: So that wouldn't include the NSA taking a look at the metadata. Yeah, it does.
2: Yes, certainly. Any
0: violation of privacy is a violation of a human right. You know, period. In oh, my opinion, that's just my opinion. Hey, eh? whoa, whoa, whoa. just just my opinion.
1: All right. So, what was it that they had done which uh, had raised your ire?
2: I don't have any ire. No, no ire. But we noticed that it raised the ire of, of a lot of other
1: people. people.
7: Yeah,
2: we're we're not particularly I- ire-like it, it, about you, you it. You can't really you can't really irate us about something we've been aware of for ten years or more. But uh you know, go ahead. What, what's your question?
1: Okay, so you're not for the NSA doing this, nope. but it hasn't really irritated you
0: now cuz i mean they're an intelligence agency i mean it's been their mandate since like 1954 and before that with the, with the sis the mm. signal guys and before that the black chamber and, and before that even the you know the 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 crown the english crown was opening mail coming across the ship so i mean this is just something that they've been doing for a
1: very very long
0: time okay. of course i don't think it's appropriate i mean i don't i don't think that it's good
1: no, All right? but that's a just lie. My personal Okay, why would you think that it's not good? Do you think that the NSA shouldn't do this, even though they're saying they're doing it to protect us by taking a look at... um,
0: uh, I never asked them to protect me. Okay, so... And uh, I don't want them to. I don't want their protection. I'd rather get blown up by a terrorist than have their protection.
1: All right, so you... I could get hit by a car. Are
0: they going to protect me from that? I could die from an allergic reaction to a drug that got pushed through the uh, FDA too quickly. I could die from that, too. Are they going to protect me from everything in the world, from disease, from genetic frailty, from any of these other things? They can't guarantee my protection. They didn't guarantee the protection of the people in the Boston bombing. They didn't guarantee the protection of the 9-11, the people in those buildings. Uh, So they're incompetent or impotent or they're making a promise. That That's they can't the deliver key. on, mm-hmm. so you know, fuck them, <laughs> and yeah. the cow, and the horse they rode in on, type the, of
3: thing. The whole Obama, you know, oh, well, if you want 100% security, <laughs> you have to, you know, you have to give up some privacy. Well, the implication no, I'd being rather have
2: my one, privacy. The implication being, sure. he, he is in a position to give you 100% security, and they're not. So really right. they're not.
1: So is, is your philosophical obstinance based upon their incompetence or based upon the fact that they're doing it?
0: No, neither. My my. My my uh. philosophical obstinance, as you put it <laughs> And my obtuseness <laughs> Is based on the fact that I believe privacy is fundamentally a human right I think that the private, so- the, the development of the individual det- it, 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 it is nece- Necessitates the ability to have a private internal world In order to work things out And I believe people have that as a human right
1: Okay, so, so and you that believe that the NSA Alright, so you believe the NSA violated it <laughs> And you believe that it's um, because they violated, and you have a right to privacy, that that by itself means that the NSA is doing something morally wrong, or of course, is it because they're incompetent, or both?
0: Well, no, I mean I'm not saying necessarily that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that that
0: all right, we're covering what, a whole you, lot of different premises here, so hold on a second. What, you know, what, what do of, you think of the NSA and the whole thing? Yeah, what do you think? It's more about what you think than what I
1: think. No, I'm going to try to work hard to come up with obtuse answers like you guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, no, it's good. It's it's a good practice. I mean, that's the mind. You
1: know, we have a radio show,
3: and you called in, so you know, share your opinion.
0: Yeah, come on, man, it's it's your podium, it's your soapbox. Go for it.
3: All
1: right. I don't think that the NSA is doing us any good. I think they're operating on a false premise. I think they're dishonest. Um, So I don't like the fact that they're doing it. I think they're lying to us. Um, but that begs the question, suppose we really did have real terrorism. I don't think we are under any type of real terrorist threat, but suppose we were. Would the NSA be justified in doing what they're doing?
2: No. I, they well, would it's, it's a fa- No, it's a faulty premise because there are no, quote, real terrorists well, no, that are No, it's a faulty
0: premise. He's, he's, he's established that the world, we're going to... We're going to slice up the world a little bit for one second. Okay. And say, what if there are? Okay. And pretend that they are for a minute. And is it okay then?
1: Right? That's okay. what I said.
0: Yep. That's what he said. It, under that condition. Is mm-hmm. is what they do okay? You're asking me? Yeah, he's asking you too.
4: He's asking all of us here. He's putting it yeah. on the
0: mm-hmm.
4: well, well, the problem would be to analyze the data, as we discussed in the beginning of the show, which would be a very difficult task. And all they could do, yeah, they could isolate the person and maybe uh, the other person he's in, in connection with. And maybe they could act on this information, yeah. I mean,
0: if, if we accept the world as they have presented it, right? If you, yeah. if you stop for a minute and accept everything that they've presented about the world with the Muslim terrorism and all this type right, of stuff. Right. you accept that all as being the truth, then you have to make this decision of, in those instances, would what they do be correct?
2: And my answer is absolutely not.
1: Okay. That's your answer.
2: Okay. That's my answer. My answer is actually their own answer. The FBI is on record as saying that mass surveillance has had a success rate of zero. All of the so called terrorists that were revealed to be terrorists in these foiled FBI terror plots were entrapped by. Regular investigative or detective means. If we erase the conspiracy, mass surveillance
0: had no. If we erase the conspiracy, no, 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 that's
2: two different issues. What
1: you're,
0: I want to respond to that, though, real quick, just because of even if we erase that, the official story they have admitted that almost all of the terrorist plots that they have foiled have actually come from information from normal investigative methods of you know, informants and tip-offs, not from the electronic surveillance that the NSA is doing. So even the official story from, like, the British government and even parts of the U.S. government is, wait a minute, this whole surveillance thing, it actually hasn't contributed, and it's all been tip-offs and informants. And
1: that's, so that's, why that's, mm-hmm, that's why his so particular I mean, premise was off. Um, But the thing is, um, the electronic surveillance, if we had bombings, real bombings in L.A. or in Detroit or in New York that were actually caused by terrorists, um, small nukes, do you think that this type of surveillance, which the NSA is doing and proposing, do you think that would be justified? If we actually did have an attack, that was a very bad attack, or even a series of bad attacks. Anybody? The reason why it's
2: so hard it's, it's a no-brainer is because
0: That's the typical kind of like moral quandry, you know, the old man on the boat type of thing we've gotten into this sort
1: of restricted
0: yeah. moral question and, and in that sense Well,
1: hypotheticals lead to real situations so I'm giving you a hypothetical
2: Well, that real situation has
1: never arisen it That's why it's a hypothetical which people uh, explore.
2: Anybody? It's a kind of hypothetical situation that's born from the paranoia that well,
1: here's is spread in the population. I I in other words, you don't want to answer, answer the person. question because it no, might no, be it just the what the NSA might be doing. All right, so who's going to answer
0: it? Now, I'm going to answer that question right. because I have thought about this one. And I, I gave actually at one point, I gave a lot of thought to this. And I said, if the world was this bad, I would do what was necessary, but I would expect mhm-. To be hated for it uh-huh. and that I should be I would, I would say that you know my moral comfort uh-huh. is not a sufficient price to pay for, for so many lives that is true like I okay. said in, case, in that case I would but All I would right. not expect to be liked for doing it and I would hope that people would have the wherewithal to realize that what I had done was morally wrong uh-huh. but pragmatically necessary in the moment if there is a continuing, if there really was a bomb of that, you know, sort of caliber in, like, you know, Los Angeles, and somebody mm-hmm. had like a nuclear weapon and they blew it up. Right. I would say, yes, at this point, it is correct to go to the ends of the earth to stop it from happening again.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: mm-hmm. at what point, if that is the, if that is the, the, the image that is presented about the world, and mm-hmm. if that's the truth,
1: well, that, that is the image sense, that is presented by the world. It's cold know, reality. Our nations are bombing. Nations are having the own CIA their own secret services and doing wrong so was the last time
0: a nation was bombed by a nuclear weapon
1: bombed by a nuclear weapon might have been uh-huh. nagasaki yeah. yeah
0: that was the they, they created it and they never used that shit again and this whole like suitcase bomb thing it's it's a farce and it does it put in a certain moral situations, yes anybody would do those and they are manufacturing this situation in order to va- verify and I know it's a it. factor,
1: but that's why I brought on the hypothetical, in case it was actual, okay, in case we had the Jericho yes. effect, in case we had three cities that were bombed by nukes, dirty nukes, that were actually um, proven to have been done by terrorist nations, what would Not happen? Proven, now, your answer is that him. you would accept the NSA taking a look at our particular records. Would you yeah, have, yes. Would you impose any conditions on that?
3: Um, well, see, hang on a minute, though. I, I, I don't think I would answer it that way. I would answer that no. I would say it's not okay for the okay, simple reason that. Not. All right. Let's assume. Let's assume that it's 1930,
1: mm-hmm. and there's
3: some massive weapon or something, or you know. Okay, well, let's say 1945. All right. So they had they had intelligence and everything, but they didn't have the the ability to gather all the the data and everything like they did today. So basically, the question is, would would I allow the government to Invade my privacy uh, in, a, your
1: life. Yeah.
3: In, in, a, in a totally crazy way. When, as Neil pointed out with the FBI thing, you know, most of the tips and leads were done by Again, normal Again, that was done on a so,
1: false premise relative to right, right. electronic surveillance. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: So, yeah.
0: I get what he's saying. The thing is, 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 is what you've done though is, is is kind of like unfair
3: in a certain sense because
0: it's a loaded
1: question, complete, a hypothetical in which a loaded, it might happen. Yeah, so I'm just asking a hypothetical, hypothetical question, request. but it's the question.
3: It's the question that the government wants all of us to ask ourselves, so that we'll we'll cower in right. fear and go, "Oh yes, yes please have my then you bring in the other please,
1: situation, and uh, that we don't have a real war on terror. So I'm bringing in, as I've already stated three or four times, a hypothetical in order to see what the mindset should be.
0: I mean, this is this is this is like this is a common rhetorical trap, basically, because given complete control over reality and a logical question you can control what a person will answer because if they answer incorrectly, they're seen as horrible. Well,
1: how about this? How about if... You create
0: a moral situation, basically like, you know, uh, what is it? Jimmy Carr does this in his shows all the time. At the end of his show, he stops because he's a really filthy comic, but he is interesting psychologically because he's totally psycho. He does the same kind of thing, which is he puts a moral question... All right, you
1: don't like the question, and it makes you kind (laughs) of think. Here here are my particular thoughts on it. Since you want to give me the floor... Here's the thing. So supposing we did have these three bombs, okay, and if, again, the terrorists were real, for whatever particular reason. They may have been uh, megalomaniacs, or they may have thought that they were responding in kind to America's imperialism, whatever whatever their particular motivation It's happened. So would the NSA be right in doing this? I would say yes, under certain conditions. One of those conditions is that if they did find out information about all Americans, because everybody has something to hide, not because it's legally wrong, but not even because it's morally wrong, but just because it's our right to privacy. So the NSA took a look at um, certain records, and they went beyond the metadata, which I think they're doing now. I think they're fucking liars. So let's say they find out that there are conversations which are embarrassing to millions of people whatever is found out that is not part of the investigative process within the context of terrorism is null and void no matter what it is now right. would anybody there be satisfied with that
0: well then you can, you can go some places with that but let's just let's just say that we're satisfied with this one because we got mm-hmm. another caller um okay. we we appreciate you calling because you you've called up several times before you I have. I don't like, remember calling
1: in this show okay
2: Oh, uh, Joe from Montana.
0: We've
1: oh, heard all about yeah, you right. before. Does, yeah, Thanks for your like call, that.
2: Joe. We've got another call on the
1: line. Okay. We've got you.
2: We look forward to your calls. So call. So you know, call again next time.
1: Okay, take, uh,
2: take care, bro. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you,
1: too.
2: Alrighty. We've got another caller.
3: Next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
5: Hi, this is Paul from U.S. Hi, Paul. Hey, uh, just wanted to make a couple of comments. Uh, actually, I worked in data warehouse applications for a long time, and uh, there are the recent years. The things that's happening is a little bit concerning to me. The reason is, traditionally, we know that they are basically tapping everything. I think around 2006, some AT&T networking guy whistleblowed saying that uh, NSA tapped into entire. Uh, data center of uh, networking center of at and and started taping, uh, basically tapping the entire data. So we know that this is for a long time, we know that they are actually going at the source of the data and tapping it. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how they are using the data. Then I keep hearing this word, data mining, data warehouses. Uh, having worked in that field, there are basically there are some challenges in any data warehouse or data mining application, which traditionally in a business called business intelligence application. You get the source data. The most critical part is tying in the data. That means you have to tie based on the person or customer or, or something. Mm-hmm. You have to tie in the different sources of the data, like bank, credit card information, uh, right. other yeah. transactions that you have. That is where the biggest challenge comes in because there is no one solution because a person has a name X, Y, G, Y, X, G like million types, small caps all type of things can happen which really screws up the tying in process right. now this is where actually the recent incidents is a little bit troubling to me what happened is last three years everybody starts using credit cards and emails for example if you have an Android phone you go to the Bank. The bank says that okay, I want to verify whether this one is your phone. So they text some code and they ask you. If that code goes to your cell phone. From cell phone, use goes back. So basically, now suddenly email and cell phone became so central point. You can literally any you can identify a person based on the cell phone and the email address. Mm-hmm. Now this is where the the, the traditional challenge of the data mining becomes very easier. Now this is where actually the traditionally the data warehouses has the biggest challenges. If the source data is becomes huge, traditionally you need to load it into the database and databases are not good for huge volumes of data. Now yeah. that is where the this big data, Hadoop and these things came into picture for last yeah. two years. Interestingly, recent Bildenberger's meeting, the Amazon CEO is there and also the Points they discussed is about big data. So something going on. People are started, and also Yahoo recently said that their entire Yahoo database, like emails and everything, is open to the public. There, I think there are some. I read an article saying that that Yahoo's data is pretty much uh, not private as people think. There's some article I read that. So if you tie in both big data and Yahoo data, and we know that it's that means suddenly the tying in becomes completely easy. Yeah. Okay. And the natural question people ask, okay, what are you going to do with the data? Now they have literally everything. They can target people. They can harass them and all that stuff. Why do they need this large scale? But I will put this question a little bit differently. What if, if somebody asked uh najis what are you doing with all these people and all these things would you have heard the word saying that okay i'm creating a different race or i'm killing them all those things they're not going to say that their motivations all will be layered 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 and each layer have their own hierarchies and all that stuff so my point i'm trying to say is we will not be knowing the exact ultimate reason why they are doing it. So we can only address saying that what they are doing is right, constitutional, is good for the people or not.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. All right, um, well, thank you for that, that observation, Rao. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that is very interesting, because we mentioned it before, was that uh, Google requires you to put in your your your, tele- your cell phone number. Uh, and right. They don't requ- they don't allow like a landline, so um, yep. that, that just connects exactly you to true. all your searches. And um, with the Amazon, it's connected to your credit card number, so therefore they have all your book purchases. Uh, so it's a scary kind of situation. I mean, again, the situation is not so much what the government's doing with it now, ultimately. Right. It's what, what, a, what, a, what a dishonest uh, person could do with it in the future. They It's stockpiling piling the data and tracking it. I mean, if they're doing something totally innocuous right now, that's, that's really kind of irrelevant because America has a very, I mean, a very long history of violating the rights of minorities. I mean, up into the '60s with the Martin Luther King movement. Um, they have a, a long history of persecuting minorities, uh, like with McCarthyism. So it's, a, it's, been a, it's it was only 60 years ago, or not not even 60 years ago, it's like you know, 40, 50 years ago, that Americans were doing this, the American government was doing this, that they required black people to give up their seats on the buses, that they were preventing them from voting booths, and this, that, and the other thing. That was, that was a very recent time ago that they were persecuting homosexuals and communists. I mean, this is this is very recent in American history where there are people alive today who were involved in that uh, with, you know, morally involved, you know, supporting McCarthyism or not supporting it and this, that, and the other thing. So what's going to happen in the future with the, the NSA creates this gigantic, huge place where it stores all the things? And is there going to be a time when somebody in the government like this Feinstein character um, or someone similar who decides that they're going to persecute all the non-Christians, or they're going to persecute all the Jews. Uh, registration is something that you know tyrannical governments have always done, and this registering of data is, is a very sensitive topic because it gives them access to information that they shouldn't be able to access should they want to do something wrong, but doesn't really and truly um provide any intelligence benefit or protection or security from terrorism so they're saying we need to do this because of terrorism but they are themselves admitting and various other governments and various other experts are saying wait a minute it hasn't really contributed in any significant way whatsoever to the the supposed war of terror i mean war on terror sorry <laughs> um so i mean the, the question is what are they going to do with the data and and he is right that Once everything starts being connected to telephone numbers and credit cards, it becomes a lot easier to consume the information and connect it together. And that is a little bit uh, worrying, actually.
5: Yeah, recent times you can see every website you go, any blog go. You can log in with Facebook, LinkedIn, Yahoo, Google, Mm -hmm. anything you can link it. And also, even in in cell phones, any application you have to download it, you have to give a blank check to them, saying that literally they can do anything. There is, there is some couple of years back somebody whistleblowed it, and then they said, oh, that's what we are doing. So do it, whatever you want, do it. Now a couple of days back, Robert Mueller clearly said that this is legal and constitutional. It's basically they do whatever they want to do it. If somebody get caught, they say it's legal and constitutional. <clears throat> so and if most... you look at that, I...
4: I think it's even true in a certain sense because I found a, a ruling of the U.S. Supreme Court from 1979, uh, which was about uh, a regular c- a crime being committed and a telephone company was used to to find actually the the person who who did the crime, and the super, Supreme Court ruled that the installation of a surveillance device at the telephone company was not a search within the meaning of the Fourth Amendment, and hence no warrant was required. And the reason for that is that the application of the Fourth Amendment depends on whether the person invoking its protection can claim a legitimate expectation of privacy. So that means, for example, when you're using a telephone to do something, uh, you're not really expecting that uh, that the number will stay private because you have to assume that the telephone company will store it uh, on its uh, computers for various business purposes and the same goes for Facebook and, and other social networks so when you, when you post something on, on, on Facebook for example you're actually expecting that it's shared and its it's public so that actually this ruling says that for such types of information the, the fourth amendment does not apply
0: yeah I mean when you go to Facebook very few people go to Facebook with the expectation of not sharing the information with a group of people and so, therefore, in a certain sense, they are like saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm giving up my Fourth Amendment right by even exactly. being on Facebook for the content of Facebook." Obviously, I mean, if a person does implement strong security procedures on Facebook, um, then they are actually saying, "Hold on a minute, I want privacy, even though I'm on Facebook." In that case, they could argue that. But here's here's the real kicker uh, about the whole FISA warrant thing: is that the companies that receive the warrant are not permitted to disclose did they receive it so there's no way for an end user whose privacy has been violated to ever no. bring an action against the government and in 2008 a lot, one of these services supposedly went to the fisa court and tried to do this whole uh contesting the warrant and they claim it was yahoo i don't know if that's true because i i got a copy of um i got a copy of the uh the redacted report from it right here and um, basically what ended up happening is they, they contested the warrant from the FISA court and then basically FISA said that, uh, okay, you can contest it, which they did, but at the same time you still have to comply with it, and if you won't, you'll be uh, held in civil contempt of court, which of course is something that the company doesn't want to be. So they made them do it anyway, and then they went to the FISA court review uh, on behalf of their customers, and they were still shot down, and it was still reaffirmed basically um, that the the warrant was completely and totally legal. So that was an instance, supposedly of one of these telecom companies, one of these internet service companies, mm-hmm. actually trying to, to defend the rights of their, their customers, and, and they're gagged to be able to talk about it. Um, and uh, so this kind of creates a very interesting problem because you have people whose privacy is perhaps being violated, perhaps not, but they have no way to contested they have no way to, they 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 have to be able to show that a crime has been committed but the company's not allowed to release that their privacy has been violated no one's going to get this information so you're kind of like in the situation where what are you going to do and they started
4: bending the laws in the 70s already yeah i mean they, they started bending the laws even before that actually
5: uh, i look at it this way uh, they want to do it they know how to do it they will do it just it's a matter of public relations <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, Look at uh, all the so much Republicans, Democrats, literally corrupting entire political system, entire judiciary system, entire police system. So literally everything is corrupted. So it's just a matter of people cry more. They will come up with something to pacify them. Because even I, if it's a judiciary, also the same thing. One guy says, one judge says, okay, this is good, and the judge comes and says, this is bad.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So
5: you know, what is right or wrong?
2: Here, here's a scoop for you, Paul. Yeah. The judge who issued the FISA court order for Verizon on April 25th this year was the same judge who struck down Obamacare in 2011 yeah. on a technical point. And who has been celebrated by the entire Tea Party movement as stopping the mad democratic regime in its tracks. Yeah. His yeah, name is... that's true. I'm going to look for his name. Judge Judge Vison or something? Yeah. Kevin Vison? I mean, these people are it's the same guy. I mean, it's all an act in, in Washington. You know, I mean... Okay, um, Paul, thanks for your call. We're going to okay. wrap up here. We're getting late. Okay.
5: Okay, thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. bye, bye. bye. Take care. Bye.
2: Thank you.
3: Bye. bye. So on our uh, – we have a little chat on our uh, Blog Talk radio page, and several of the listeners were making some comments about uh, the call from Joe from Montana. And, um, and his hypothetical. Yes, his hypothetical scenarios. And Hypothetically I, speaking, if I was I, – I, I just wanted to, to clarify the point that I was trying to make. Which is that when you think about someone like, well, I was going to say Sherlock Holmes, but he's a fictional character. So let's just let's just stick with a detective. Someone gets murdered. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe the person is your husband or wife. Right. So it's you know, you're obviously very emotionally invested, just as you would be if there was, you know, some massive terrorist attack or whatever. So someone close to you is murdered and a detective comes along and they investigate the crime and they find the person that did it. And hopefully that person is, you know, whatever the justice system does and, you know, justice is done in some way, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, that might be a story for another show, the justice system. But let's just, you know. So in that case, the detective doesn't have to go and and surveil every single person in the entire country. The detective doesn't have to go and interrogate every single person in the entire country. There is evidence and this evidence points to who may have done the crime, at which point they collect more evidence until they collect enough evidence to say, okay, this person it most likely did it, at which point there's a trial, and and of course one would hope that everything is done properly, and there you go. So when you amplify the situation and you say, oh, well, it's a terrorist attack, to say, yes, I would I would allow the NSA to, you know, invade my privacy and surveil like the entire planet is kind of idiotic because I mean in the in the case of 9 11 we pretty much more or less know that the official story is is BS and how do we know this well we wrote a book on it uh, called 9 11 the ultimate truth yeah, it's and it's you, you collect the evidence you don't you don't have right. to so for me it was kind of like The whole point of the theoretical question was actually part of the problem of of the government wanting you to basically give up your freedoms in this, you know, it's like they come and they corner you and they say, you know, be afraid, be afraid. And you're supposed to go, oh, yes, please, Mm. you know, protect me. And it's entirely unnecessary if the system works as it should work, which, of course, it doesn't. And that's the problem.
0: Well, this is one of the reasons why the old Greek philosophers like Socrates and, and all of these different guys, they really hated the rhetoricians, the sophists, they called them, because they had developed a series of arguments that would guarantee that they would win mm. um, by creating situations that were so restricted that the person had to answer what you expected yeah. or else look bad by, by restricting the situation of – there's a nuclear bomb is exploding and therefore millions of people are dying and you were 100% sure that if the NSA did this it would solve the problem would you still not let them and then you look like an asshole if you don't so it's 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 well, a, it, rhetor- it's a yeah.
2: rhetorical construct to mm-hmm. manipulate people and you you feel it i mean I, I certainly felt like hang on a minute i'm i'm being manipulated here and i think that in the modern speak we call it niggsop now i've got you, you son of a bitch you know you set someone up to yeah say the very thing that, you know, is going to condemn them to right. what, right. you know, to being wrong or to, right. to But
0: I mean, here's the, the, the question that he posed anyway, hmm. if you were to rephrase what he said into absurd proportions he would say, um, if you could push a button and save two million people from dying horribly would you do it? Yes or no? Because that's basically what he's asking. Would you just push a button? You don't have to do anything. Or would you, would you let somebody push a button or something like that? Hmm. He's creating the situation where there's such a huge price for not doing it that you're basically – he's basically saying that terrorists are going to set off bombs in all the American cities and kill hundreds of millions of
2: people if you don't do this. And that's a ridiculous – It's ridiculous because it's a hypothetical born of a simplified – World. Oh, it's, 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 it's the Jack Bauer is going to save the city mm-hmm. if he can just get the right information by torturing torture. this guy. Yeah. Problem there, people. Jack Bauer is a fictional character. 24 right. was a TV show. The right. real FBI people have gone on the record and said, torture sucks. We never, ever get the information we want. The only time it's been successful is when they've tortured a guy almost to death, and he's come out with the information that they then justify go and foil other fake terror plots, knowing for well that the information that they were getting was inaccurate because the guy was saying whatever was necessary for them to stop right. torturing him. The only reason that they even do torture at
0: all, which the FBI does do torture, they do torture, but they never do it to get information. They do it just to let people know that they do it. I mean, mm. they, they want it out so that people will fear them. And those people who are kind of weak-willed will say like, well, I don't want to be tortured, so I'll turn informant. The threat of torture is more important than the torture itself, because there's a lot of people who have talked about it. Say that most people they feel so guilty that eventually, at a certain point inside the torture, they actually feel like they deserve it, and and a lot of people will resist it even or accept it, and you know, it's just it's not a useful and productive activity. It's just basically inhumane. It's it's pointless and inhumane.
3: I have enough to deal with trying to, you know analyze and, and, and cope with the objective world that, you know, hypothetical scenarios are... It's unfair. I mean, they're fun, but, you know...
0: There, there's, there's a Jewish proverb, not proverb, but saying that says, for instance, is not proof" type of thing. And I would say that hypothetically speaking is irrelevant. You know, people, anybody can create a hypothetical world and get anybody to say anything that they want, and that's, that's not really fair. That's not productive in the argument. As the world is today and the, what what is even being presented and the level of terrorism that has happened, which is... Almost nobody dies in the world of terror. I mean, 2,500 people supposedly die every day of heart disease. That's almost as many people as died on one day uh, on, on September 11th. I mean, that's a, a big, serious problem. 36,000 children die every year from preventable diseases because they have lack of access to health care. I mean, these are these are serious serious problems that we know are being caused by things like Monsanto and by big government and biogenetics and, and GMO stuff and, and, and vaccines. We know that that's... That they're the ones causing that. So, I mean, no terrorist in the world could kill as many people or as killed when 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 somebody at the FDI signs a piece of paper that allows Monsanto to do this, or uh, some drug company to put this untested drug on it, or you know, I mean, more people are killed by the government every day because of those things than any terrorist with any bomb anywhere can do, even in a year,
6: mm-hmm.
0: um, even the
2: worst terrorist attack. I think we're gonna. We should probably start to wrap this show up. It's getting late where we are.
0: Yeah, it is getting pretty late.
2: Um, in terms of what's really going on here, well, we, we've, we've discussed a few cross-purposes at work. It was, I should give mention also to another whistleblower who, whose uh, trial began just as this uh, news was breaking, Bradley Manning. <laughs> uh, of course, that's disappeared off the front pages. Here's a guy who thought he was doing right, and they're making serious example of them. You yeah. know, don't don't speak up. Um, of course, there's the political shenanigans going on. And we touched on that, too. The fact that Obama was going to China to berate them about spying on the U.S. When the US and, is- and, and for being the, the, the world's leading source, allegedly, of cyber warfare tactics. Right. I mean, the Chinese are accused of basically being the source of all spam. Right. They're accused of hacking U.S. networks all the time. There are several cases going back ten years where they're what I call false flag cyber warfare attacks, and they've actually been traced back to servers in the u k and the u s yeah but they were pinned on Iran, north yeah. Korea, of course china so there's that to think of as well. We also touched on the bigger picture in terms of what's going on with a climate I mean the world's coming apart it seems economically. Uh, the extremes in the environment that are more and more people cannot miss because it's when it's snowing where you are and it's supposed to be thirty degrees, you know something's up.
3: Or <laughs> when well, one day it's, exactly. it's, it's
2: thirty degrees and the next and then day it's, it's seventeen. Yeah, and which we experienced recently.
0: I mean, it's it's all the emperor's new clothes type of thing, and everyone's sitting there arguing over no, his clothes are blue. No, they're purple. Yeah. Oh they're so beautiful. Look, it's made with silk. No, it's not made with silk, it's made with linen and stuff like that. And, and somebody needs to point out, hold on, just, all that stuff is irrelevant. The Emperor has no clothes. And the American economy is tanking the world economy is shit, this G eight summit where they're like, Oh, a new trade agreement with America trade for what? Both countries import more than they export already. <laughs> they're getting everything from China. You know? I mean a trade agreement between them is how many, you know, Chinese goods can we exchange?
2: In terms of any grand plan, well, I don't know. I think they'd like to, some people would like to think they're in on the grand plan. In 1997, the Chief of Staff of the U.S. Air Force predicted that within three years, so by the year 2000, quote, <clears throat> we should be capable of finding, tracking, and targeting virtually in real time any significant element moving on the face of the earth. And he was not just talking about people, he was talking about everything. Sensors to monitor the environment, RFID <laughs> chips in all products. But this was the ultimate goal. This is the plan. To transform it and then mesh it within a closed system of total information awareness to cover, track, and gaze omnisciently over all flows, mobilities, and transactions. An attempt to gain some degree of mastery over the unpredictability of global flows. Now that's if that's the megalomaniacal, you know, yeah, the yeah. psychopathic, I will rule the world. That's yeah. the expression of the psychopathic, a closed system. Yeah. I can see all of what they do. I can master the information and manipulate yeah, them and be in control. Running against that is something that is fundamentally different. Human beings share information. Right. By our nature, we share. Right. By our nature, we are open source. Yeah. By our nature, we program each other and our computers to be open source because we understand that all the gifts that we have are built on the gifts of our ancestors before us, the inventors before us who gave us computers, computer technology, these amazing programs we use. Everything that
0: you use to sell and make money online is created by people who gave those creations away for the betterment of humanity. Every single thing that you use to distribute your your pay for videos, your books, all that stuff online is invented by people who gave it away for free and never asked for a cent and you don't even know their names. The majority of the people who use mm. the do not know the names of the people who created the technologies that underpin all of your credit card transactions because they did it for free and they never asked for credit.
2: So why say let them eat data. Let them have as much data as they want. Give them everything. Yeah. The psychopathic mind processes information in a different way, it's like living in a 2D world. They can hear the words, but they they can't hear the music. Okay. We are in two realities that, in when uh, in a fundamental way, they never meet. Oh. So give them give them all the data they want. Give them what they want. They, they don't, don't understand you asking. anyway. They can't hear you, and they don't know what they're asking. Let them eat data. I like that line, actually. Yeah. Let them eat data. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I think on that
0: note Copious Reams
2: On that note we'll be, We'll say good night and good day Good night and good luck And good morning depending on where you are On this little blue planet mm-hmm. And do tune in next week Same time, same place For Soft Talk Radio Over and out